Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. It's amazing to meet you. It, it is simply extraordinary. Maybe this wall makes sense if I explain who I am. Uh, my name is Dr. Ellie Staple, and I am a psychiatrist. My work concerns a particular type of delusion of grandeur. It's a growing field. I specialize in those individuals who believe that they are podcasts. That's what you wanted to do. <laughs> I did. First name, Mr. Last, Last name, name, podcast. I would do first name. Oh, no, that's what I would do. <laughs> you would do the thing I just said? Right. I was thinking, like, would I do first name pod? But no, you want to do first name, Mr. Last yeah, name. Yeah, Mr. is. Yeah. Mr. Podcast. They call me Mr. Pod. Wait, Remember sorry. the kids. Remember the kids, David? Let me put on my uh, MP tie pin, my jeweled MP tie pin. David, I have one question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the kids? They called him Mr. Glass. Because yeah. the kids, David. I always knew because of the kids. They called me Mr. Glass. That is one of my favorite ending monologues on Sunday. I think it's great. I used to know that thing by heart. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. <laughs> ben is already angry. It's already. No, he was angry last night when we made him see Glass. I wasn't mad, but I'm. Not as jazzed as you two. You're not it. as glassed as us. And where no. you saw it in the great state of New Jersey? I didn't make it to Jersey, actually. Oh, really? Oh, I want to read some of your texts. What? For, uh, you about... were doing bits about how movie theaters work in New Jersey. Oh, you yeah. Said My they, local theater. Let me right. They give out laser pointers <laughs> yes. when you buy a ticket so that the, they, so they the encourage people. disruption of the movie. Yes. The entire theater fell off of a truck. <laughs> the projectionist is a sandwich. <laughs> These are all true facts. <laughs> just just reading out the text thread from mm. the other day. Didn't make it to Jersey. I saw it at William Bur- Williamsburg Cinemas. Oh, um, a truly bad theater. Yeah, yeah I hate it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I was, I don't know, uh, my, my initial How was your take, crowd? How was your crowd? Yeah. Uh, like pretty. Half, was it full? No, like, no, it was like half full. Really? That theater. Yeah. Have you, you've been to that theater? I have. It is like the last theater that was built in this city before the sort of like theater should be kind of fancy yes. wave hit. Yes, the very and last one. It is. I saw Bumblebee there and literally the entire movie was like masked wrong and like yeah. Haley Steinfeld's like forehead was cropped off. Right. It was so bad. Well, and, and to your point, like every other theater that opened around that time in the pre-fancy era was right. owned by a major chain. Sure. And those chains just, are now, now one by one plus yeah. So Williamsburg's like this lone orphan that's like, we're just like never going to be good, right? We're, and we just like, we don't have the arty movies. We just have like Glass. You want to yeah. see Glass? Come see Glass. I did. Yeah. I saw Draft Day at that theater. Hey! Starring you. Hey, starring me. Yeah. Do you want to hear something crazy that I just, I just want to bring up now because it's even crazier with hindsight? Sure. I have very low billing in that movie. Sure. I, I remember I, I stayed behind to take a picture of your title card. Yes. Yeah. I think, do you have a split card with Josh Pence? I believe I have a split card with two other people. It might be me and Pence and someone else. Okay. But um, uh, I, I was number five on the call sheet for that movie ahead of Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Brag. It was, I mean, I'm just saying, I want to just point that out because it is truly the last time that will 
ever happen. <laughs> you think you're not going to outdo Chad Bozeman again? On Black Panther 2? This is the podcast where I'm going to break the exclusive that I'm in preliminary talks for Black Panther 2. Very preliminary. Right. Deeply preliminary. Deeply preliminary <laughs> in the sense that I've been sending them some texts. <laughs> Was and it 2013 going, or 2014 that draft? 2014, right? I think right? it was a 2014 because I believe we shot it in the 2013. Yeah. Mm, it's on the shelf for picks. a little while, right? Because they tried to team it up with the actual draft day, right? Did it come out near draft day? Maybe once draft day happened. This, you know of course, what? is a podcast about draft day. This is our 200th episode <laughs> of Blank Check, and we're finally doing it. We're talking about draft day. It's drafting the draft. We should talk about draft day. It came out in April. When's the, I think that's when the NFL draft is. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember a big thing they explained was like, this is the year that yes, Kevin April. comes back. And right. January is Jack Ryan Shadow recruit. Mm -hmm. And then like February was that, uh, what was the McGee movie where he, it was like sort of his taken? Yeah, the assassin movie. Him and Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. And then they were like, and then draft day at that point, it's a victory lap. It's a home run. America's all in on Kevin again. Who was saying this? Everybody. <laughs> everybody? Are you sure it was this everybody? Is like with the marketing departments and the producers were saying they were like, we're going to come out last and everyone's going to be so back on Kevin. Because it was the year after Hatfields and McCoys, uh -huh. which then weirdly got like the highest ratings in the history of television. And everyone's like, oh, but let's put it back in movies again. You have a three way split card with Pence uh -huh. and uh, David Ramsey. Oh, of course, the great David Ramsey, who's, who's, on, who's on Arrow, and he plays one of the guys in the in the office, in the front office. Okay, it's him, it's Wade Williams, oh, that and guy. Tim Simons. He's the he's the like the the Alfred of Arrow now, right? Yeah, Riggle. Uh, I want to say plays the role Diggle. of Riggle. Diggle. Diggle. I was close. Yeah. yeah, he's he fun plays on Arrow. Rob Riggle on Arrow. <laughs> yeah, he's Rob Riggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was in the the Marines and uh, what did a season on SNL? Yes. Now yeah. I'm trying to do Rob Riggle's life. That's a weird one. Riggle. One season of SNL. One season of SNL. Then he was on The Daily Show, and that was when it sort of like, right. you know. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, because this was something I was talking about with friends recently. The Hangover uh -huh. hit comedy. Ten big, years old at this big point. Big hit. Yeah. Um, Very weird that that movie's ten years old. I know. No famous line from it. You know what I mean? Like, not a movie with, like, a famous line that... That's a really interesting point. Like, you know, usually the big hit comedies, you know, these lines that sort of just get like written to the zeitgeist. Yeah. And I think the biggest line in The Hangover that lasted the longest was Rob Riggle saying, in the face, in the face. Yeah, probably. Right? Like, what's another line from The Hangover? Because I feel like when people do Hangover stuff, it's just like the references, the, the Galifianakis visual. It's something with the baby or the sunglasses or being pantsless, you know? Yeah. When people do hangover parodies, they're visual parodies. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's very interesting. Yeah. Does, like, Mike Tyson have a line? Mike Tyson. Yeah. Isn't there a, yeah, so something about a tiger? Is a tiger. But, like, it's not like anyone's like, look at that tiger. And everyone was, like, saying that all year. Like, my wife. No, I was gonna. I was going to quote one of the many homophobic lines in that movie, but I literally don't want to repeat the words. Good. Don't. Uh, yeah, and I think also there's there's a nature by the nature of the film that you know at the end of the day really that movie's a mystery. It's kind oh, of sure, a comedy, sure. but it's, it's not, not a comedy. See. It's really they're unraveling a great mystery. They're unraveling a great mystery. So I feel like a lot of the lines are just them explaining the joke. You know what I'm saying? Like the big lines that movie are like, "I'm missing a tooth." Right. Where'd this tiger come from? Like the lines aren't I'm as interesting already. <laughs> right, the audience is laughing because of what it portends, not because of the but line like, itself. Does Galifianakis even have a killer line? He has some good ones, but some a lot weird, like non sequiturs or whatever. And is this the real Caesar's Palace? Uh, yeah. 
That's kind of a funny one. We got blacked out last night. I mean, African American out. But a lot of them are also like repurposing. Yeah, that's repurposing of Galifianakis stand up jokes. Right, right. That's right he right. reused. I remember people being He's like, "Just doing his purple onion set." Because I was yeah. such a big fan of his stand up. Right, I still right. am. But at yeah, that time, no, I was I so him. huge on him. And people, I was over. I was on vacation. I was overseas. I wasn't on vacation. I was doing a very serious acting program overseas when that movie came out. And so I didn't see it until like a month later. And people were like, "This." I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but he's so great. Sure. You're not going to believe this performance. Right, and I was right, like, right, right. I've been on this guy's yeah, train you. for 10 years. I can't wait to see it. And I saw it and I was like, he's doing a lot of his like bits from like. Purple Onion. Right. Love yeah. of the Purple Onion. That was like yeah. his Can thing. I tell you my favorite joke from that? Sure. Uh, I love how he just like kind of takes a pause. Bukowski was right. And then he slams <laughs> his hands down on the piano. Uh-huh. I love that. It's a real Ben joke. Right. There's stuff like that that's funny, but there's not like a clear like. Because you even go like the things that end up being quoted relentlessly. We're going to do 15 minutes on Hangover, right? The things that <laughs> How ended did up. I start this? You I started this. I know. This. I don't even remember what, I, what it's it was. Two Hondo, baby. <laughs> the Wolfpack is back. The Wolfpack is back. Yeah. Uh, you know, my hottest take, which is that I think three is the best one. Yeah. Because I think the three is the only one that's about how they're all terrible people. Right. I never saw Explicitly. three. I heard that that was it. It's almost like three is like them all being like man fuck this movie like right one could say that three is like the glass of the trilogy where they're like not giving the audience what they want and they're like deconstructing the entire is that really what it's like it's kind of like that what you could maybe i don't know come up with like an origin story Mm. because i've got one for you it's called the buzz baby the buzz 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 (laughs) they're in high school one of them gets locked in the janitor closet. It's the night before prom. They get drunk. Now or here was something a fan. No, they asked get tipsy. They don't no. get really they drunk. Get buzzed. Right. They get buzzed. Now a fan asked this on Reddit. Yes. Why isn't it called the buzz? It is. That's what he just said. So no more ed. No, I said buzzed. Oh yeah, really? Buzzed. Okay. I'm sorry. Because hangover is actually present tense. Don't talk to me about grammar. I agree with you. Thank you. So I just wanted you to get that on the no, record. No, because I think Ben's point is right. It's a prequel. It's not about the morning after. It's about the night before when they're getting a little buzzed. Sure. Who's Young Coops? Oh, I don't. I casting. I got to keep that secret. Okay. <laughs> right, right. He's in deep talks. Yeah. AKA, he's always opening IMDb right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just put young Bradley Cooper into the search yeah. bar. Wait a second. He's pitching the three of us to Warner Brothers. <laughs> ben. I'm like David Sims bracket, like 13 in Roman numerals. <laughs> I am on IMDb. Really? For what? For Because uh, I'm As in himself? like, I'm in some Gethard episodes oh. and that counts. I think that's it. I think it's the spirit of Gather the Holiday Special, which that's was right. recorded of us doing the podcast. Correct. I, d- wow. I am literally the 13th. I remember correctly. Wow. Yep. What better way to ring in our 200th episode than really testing our audience <laughs> like that? You know what I'm saying? The people who have really been with us, ride or die, true blue. Um, for anyone who's just tuning into this podcast because they wanted to hear people talk glass. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk glass. We're going to dig. Here's the background on Blank Check with Griffin and David. Yeah. Our first ever miniseries on a director right. was on M. Night Shyamalan. Right. We did a full year on Star Wars, which we ended up Star sort Wars. of becoming about George Lucas. And we realized how fast and we were the arc of this guy getting swallowed by his own mammoth success. Right. And then we were like, what if that's the thing? Right. What if that's the premise of our pod? Right. It's, pod premise. It's whether or not getting that sort of artistic freedom after massive success helps or hurts a career. Yeah. And I feel like now we err more towards the positive. But when we came with this idea, we went, well, the guy to clearly talk about is M. Night. 
Um, M. Night was the initial pitch. Right. Rose so high, fell so far. I can still see you in my mind's eye sitting on that couch in the UCB lobby and being like, here's my idea. It's M. Night. M. Night. There M. was Knight. an idea, one might say. There was an idea. Right. M. Night. And then we immediately followed that up with, like, we want to do the Wachowskis. Right. That was my counter pitch. I right. was like, great. And then the Wachowskis. Because their movies keep bombing and we like them all. <laughs> right. We're yes. like, right. But the M. Night thing was so odd because at that point we sort of were like, put put a fork in him. He's done. We had both not seen the visit. That's right. We should just from come people, out. Right. It was good, but we're just like, what are the odds? That's not actually yeah, good. Yeah, fuck that. There's no way. Right. right. Um, but then it, the, the miniseries ended on a triumph. A year later, we came back and he had split and suddenly fucking verified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Four quadrant hit. Well, and then, but beyond that, he had used split to literally cash a like long ago blank yeah. check to complete, like, you know, to start up a trilogy he'd always right. wanted to make. Right. He'd made this like stealth sequel to Unbreakable that he funded himself. Yes. And, uh, and all yeah. three of these he funded himself. I thought this one he did with studio funding at yep. a low Blumhouse level. He keeps on taking out loans or mortgaging his property yep. in the suburbs of Philadelphia yes. in order to make these movies. The, the, so this was twenty million, $20 million of his dollars. own money after dollars. the visit was like one point five and split was like nine. That sounds right. He keeps on multiplying it, but he's still only putting his own money into it because he said the thing I needed was to be scared again. Right. About making movies. I need to feel a risk. Five million for the visit. Wow. Nine million for split. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's, 20 he's million for this. almost no, doubling every time. With yeah. this, he's like, look, you saw how split did. And this mm-hmm. is a sequel to that. I've got these big actors, blah, blah, this blah. This feels like a safe I'm bet. sure it's not hard for him to uh, get the loan. Right. But, well, anything is hard. But he's but taking yeah. it against his property, which I love. He is putting his dick on the line. I also think he his wants. dick on the line. Yeah. Sure. But his, I don't think he wants final cut, I'm assuming. You know, he wants total control. Sure. And this movie, say, if you took this script to a studio, uh-huh. they might have some notes. This is a movie that would get noted to death, where they'd go, yeah. this is not they'd what like any a, audience wants to see. A puddle? Are we sure we're going to uh, You do a puddle? I, I love the audacity of this movie. <laughs> Spoiler alerts for Glass. It's a Glasterpiece. We love it. Ben <laughs> likes it. Okay. You don't hate it as much as Ben's not some people are vicious. Some okay. people are ripping their seats. So I've seen that. No, right. I'm going to talk I, glass. This is the Pod Night Shammercast. I'll say yeah. this. I like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, uh, it's it's a valid piece of, of media to make. If someone explained to you what he did with this movie, you'd be like, that's cool. And yes. watching it, you didn't enjoy yourself. <laughs> no. Sure. No. It's, sure. It feels <laughs> academic almost in it's a way. very academic. Yeah. I mean, I said this movie is just M. Night giving you 45 minutes of the sequel you want, and then the movie grinds to a halt, and it becomes a series of dissertations. <laughs> yeah. On everything. Which people didn't like. Critics were unhappy Weirdly. <laughs> but I think as opposed to, you know, Lady in the Water, which I defend, but I defend kind of as just this ambitious gopher-broke swing, mm-hmm. not a movie that I think fully works. No. This thing is very focused on sort of what he's talking about, and what he's talking about is keyed into the material, and his career, I like find this movie, so much more compelling, like just minute to minute. I agree with you. Than Lady in the Water. The problem with Lady in the Water is that when that stops, it's for like the you know Chinese teenager to be like, yeah, my grandma said that like the myth was that there's like a blah, and then you know where's this when it stops? It's like let's talk about superheroes and supervillains. Like it's a little less like. Uh, right. ridiculous the right. universe and, is and talking Lady about. And Lady in the Water is like, I want to make a movie about the very nature of storytelling. But he doesn't really know what he has to say about it other no. than like, I think I write the best stories of anybody. 
this movie, he's like really <laughs> wrestling cookbook. with things. Yeah, I mean, this movie's also very in lockstep with culture. I mean, when when we walked out of the movie and then like the day afterwards we were recording, you were like, I should write my review. I don't even know what to say about this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, right. And I said, look, here are my couple of quick thoughts, mm-hmm. which give me some credit. T- totally The Batman it. Returns connection you stole from me. I just me. lifted right off of you. I told you in advance. You said, I'm going to use it. your take. And I said, thank you. Yeah. And then the other one I said is, I think he's executing right, his your read of Incredibles, Incredibles 2. Too. Right, right. It's I think incre- this is I a more cohesive argument right. For what Incredibles 2 is trying to reckon with, which is why are we so obsessed with this as a culture and is this helping us or hurting us? Our investment in these superhero narratives. And the thing that Ammonite's really tying this back to is just like, you know, people go like, well, it's our modern mythology. It's the same as the Greek gods. But he's going like, why throughout history have we felt the need to engage in these stories of miraculous sort of powers outside of our understanding and people who can take care of us, greater evils, greater goods? And why do we need those things in our everyday life? Mm-hmm. Is that helping us or hurting us? But right. also, why in the first place are we drawn to these things? That, that was Which your is pitch. a lot a of pitch. movie to bite off. Sure. A lot. Especially in a movie that's a sequel to two different movies. Sequel to two different movies, but also two movies that, is, I mean, especially like Split yeah. and, and then also The Visit, you know, like, that are short, kind of robust, yeah. you know, pretty lean thrillers. This is like a two hour, 10 minutes. Unbreakable's long and slow. No, Unbreakable is slow, but it's not long. Really? How it long? is an hour and 45 minutes wow. long. And split, because Unbreakable is very slow. It's very stately. But that's, it's very stately. But, yeah. you know, not a lot happens in Unbreakable. No, there's there only aren't like, that many scenes. Right. There's only yeah. like one fight. Right. You know, like it's not, you know, it never like builds to anything insane. I'll say this. And Split is, Split is closer to two hours. It was obviously one of our earliest episodes. Mm-hmm. The Unbreakable episode is one of the great regrets I have at this podcast oh, that I I didn't stand up for it more. Yeah, you coward. You and Patches were dunking on it, and it's like one I of my favorite movies ever. You, Patches you love was that really movie. dunking on it, and you followed the dunking a little bit, being like, "Yeah, it's pretty sad." Sack. I find I still find I know that you movie like to be. It. I like it, but I, I find it to be so insanely like muted. But yeah, right. You know, and that's like, what Patches a, was doubling down on right. that, and I like love it. I for the first time was like, maybe this isn't a hundred percent perfect, and I cowered a little bit. Coward. But it still probably is one of my like twenty five favorite movies you, ever. You love that movie, yeah. It was in my 10 forever. Remember when he falls down on the stairs? The, the little thing breaks. There's so much stuff. I like Unbreakable. I mean, when I was watching Glass and there are those, you know, scenes he's using from Unbreakable, I'm just sort of like, oh man, remember when movies could do this? Like, yeah. Even no, just like Disney made that movie. The, the, that movie looks so intense. Looks when they great. cut in the deleted, do you know this, Ben? When they do the flashbacks in this to Unbreakable, they're literally deleted scenes from Unbreakable that he's now reusing for the first time 19 years later. I kind of thought that. That's cool. Yeah. I, lo- I, I love that. I, like, I, I love that he was able to carry over the archive of that. I mean, that's the biggest yeah. thing here. Look, there's there's no sort of greater encapsulation than of everything this podcast is about than this movie. Yes. Not just because he's the first director he covered, not because he's the first guy that we had to follow up with. Not because this is the 200th episode. But but it, when we were looking at him, we were like, should we do something special for 200th? And we realized this was going to time out. We said, there's no better way to to ring it in. Right. And uh, our friend uh, uh, Ray Tintori, a uh, friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, past future guest, uh, he was saying, I, I was arguing with him about Split, and I had all my criticisms of Split, and he said, but just the audacity of the fucking thing, that everyone you counted know, him out. That's what I love about Ray, is he, he's such a, yeah, he's such a cheerleader for movies right. he loves, he's such a good cheerleader. Right, everyone counted this guy out, he was, he was done, he was cooked, 
and he sneaked his way back in, right, right. not just to becoming a relevant commercial filmmaker, but to making his weird ass shit. Yeah, I know for sure. Right. The fact that he pulls it off, the audacity of him being like, and I it's like also the visit, a but the visit does feel a little more like him being like, let me make a movie I can tell people like right now. You know what I mean? I like the visit, right? But I, the visit is yeah. more. I'm going to make like you the a visit really a lot more than split. Well made thriller. I like the visit a lot more than the split. I will say during this movie, I That's went. Good. I think this is probably my third favorite Shyamalan. I think it's probably Unbreakable, Sixth Sense, and then this. It is my... I already did the updated yeah. the list. Fourth favorite Shyamalan. You put Village ahead? Village is my number one. Right. So you go Village. Unbreak. Sixth, sixth Sense. Glass. And then this. Yeah. Split. Visit. Signs. But if you're a guy who spent as much time thinking about this guy as we have, this movie is just such a meal. You know? I fully agree. Like he's laying it all on <laughs> it is, the line. It is so weird. It is, it's a it story really, that I think he may have just made this for blank checklist. I think he. Like I think he did. I it, think he did. It's Come a on. story that feels like it's the stuff that they would just mention, like off screen, and it happens. Correct. That's the whole movie. Right. It's like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of of movies. I've it's tried so to weird. explain this movie a lot to people since I've seen it, and they want to hear my opinions, and they think I'm making shit up. Right. When I described to them without spoilers, like what the structure of the movie is. Right. And I was like, 45 minutes, he gives you like exactly what you think a sequel to Split would 100%. be. 100%. Exactly what you kind think. Kind of what you want a sequel to Unbreakable. Right. Exactly. Right. And I was like, yeah. this is good. It's a little generic. It's basically, Unbreakable little... versus Split is the first 45 and you're minutes going where you're back like, and okay, forth. here we go. Sure, sure. Right. And sure. you're like, this is the obvious sort of fan service y payoff. Yeah. It's well done. I like my M. Night a little more audacious than this, but if this is what he's going for, I'm on board. Let him take his victory lap. Right. The, what, the first 45 and then minutes. And he spikes is... the football into the toilet. <laughs> and then just poops all over it. Yeah. And then you and I are like, but don't you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And while he's pooping, he's like, the thing about <laughs> there are limited editions and origin stories. I mean, I comic books. love this. People movie. may or may not know that superheroes are characters in yeah. comic books. And Printed so, on paper. And some people are like, we know this. Why are you telling yeah. us this? You you seem insane. Do oh, you know anything about comic oh, books? Yeah, and well, I'm like, shh, yeah. he's talking. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, have you ever heard about a secret society? Okay, look. I okay. We're gonna get to that. Wait, give me your no, no. Hold your hands out. Hold them out. Okay. Let me check his check his wrists. Okay. I don't see any clovers. Okay. All right. Three leaf clovers. Well, they're three leaf clovers because they're not special. That's why they have the three. Someone leaf pointed out to us on Twitter. Fucking it's genius. Fucking brilliant. Whoever, I'm gonna find it. Number one best film in 2019 with a bullet. Best tweet of 2019 is the tweet that pointed that out to us. You know this <laughs> feeling though when you see a film this early in the year that you like this much and you're like, this isn't even a default number one. <laughs> This is like my number one, and something has to step up and knock it down. I'm not okay. saying I'm not there with you, uh, but, oh, but I've like, seen some good movies. Like this last year, like Paddington Two, early in the year, I was like, "This is sure. a legitimate number one." Right, right. So yeah, it's not like a placeholder number one. It's like I'm gonna see more movies this year, and, right. and we'll see. But this we'll is, see. This is a movie I like a lot. It's not like my baby's daddy being number one by default because it comes out January 10th. Escape room. I'm calling my shot already, and it's. Beach Bum. Beach Bum's going to be. I mean, there's no way you will like a, a movie more this millennia than Beach Bum. King Guthrum <laughs> called Jesse of the Wild on Twitter. Is the He's one the one who pointed out the Clover out. thing. Shout yeah. out to you, sir. Literal shout out. Um, you know, because I've seen like High Life. You know, I've seen some some movies that oh, are coming. Oh, her well, sure. smell. Yes, her smell, which we both like a lot. Uh, that's up there for me. We, really, we bias. We bias. We but bias. It, but it's a very good film. I like the Mike Lee movie Peterloo. Well, you've seen more stuff in advance. Right. No, than I'm just I saying. Have. But I yeah. do like. Yes. Gloss. Gloss. 
So, I mean, you know, context, uh, listen to our previous 12 episodes about M. Night Shyamalan. Sure. Yeah. Especially listen to our split episode, obviously, because we're uh, we're sort of getting into the, the trick he's pulled yeah. there. Do you know what's a weird phenomenon I'm noticing now? In yeah. a lot of these, like, the pre-glass pieces where people are trying to talk about, like, a look back at Unbreakable and everyone keeps on referring to it as his second film. Like, yeah. what a risky second film that even all these years later, people still think Sixth Sense is the first one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the exact same thing is happening with Krasinski now. Okay. Krasinski's a weirdly similar arc where it's like he made two sort of, like, human, like, sort of adult dramedy movies. Mm-hmm. 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 And then Quiet Place is so big that everyone's like, oh, his debut film, it's very impressive. And then I think he's just going to do elevated genre stuff for the rest of his career. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's going to make the hollers again. I hope he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I hope he That's doesn't. the thing about Krasinski that feels, to me, a slightly craven sometimes is where he was like, oh, you, you, don't, you don't want that kind of a movie? How about this kind of a movie? Yeah. But right, is yeah. that not the same thing that happened with Shyamalan? I kind mean, of. I, think, I mean, Shyamalan never tried to make a hollers. I, I mean, you know, like a, a, is Wide know. Awake that different from the hollers? I, oh, I suppose so. If you're going all the way prefer, back then. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But Wide Awake is, is weirdly personal. I greatly prefer Wide Awake. I'm just sure. saying. Wide Maybe Awake, Holler was, Hollers was personal. Shouldn't shit on I don't Krasinski. Know. I just feel like those. Maybe he knew a holler. What's it about? <laughs> I feel like Praying with Anger and the Hollers and uh, Wide Awake mm-hmm. and uh, Brief Interviews with Hideous Men are in Ugh. a similar kind of stew. I get you. I get you. I get you. And then like Shaman himself cravenly was like fucking frustrated with Miramax. Can't make it in Hollywood. I'm going to make something they can't not buy. Yeah. I'm going to make a thriller with a perfect twist. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing as A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Like, just mm-hmm. make a down-the-middle movie that people cannot argue with. Cool. And then they both became elevated genre. Ugh. Because the second people like a horror movie, they have to pretend At it's least not a Shaman, horror movie. Shaman doesn't go around saying he's making an elevated thriller or whatever, does he? No, but I think I mean, he made an elevator thriller. It was called Devil. Thriller. It was called Devil. <laughs> I can't remember who directed that, but he, you know. I can't either. It. That was part of the Night Chronicles. Of course. We all remember. We all remember the Night Chronicles, a long-running, <laughs> indefinite series of films branded by M. Not Shyamalan, but not made by him. John Eric Dowdle. Okay. Um, you know what I want to say about Devil? What? Uh, Logan Marshall Green is in it. What a cool fucking handsome actor. Have you seen Upgrade? I need to see it. You gotta see Upgrade. It's good Venom, right? Exactly. Have you seen this movie yet, Ben? ben no, I know I need to see it. You run, do not walk to yeah. your video on demand service or whatever. Yeah. It, I, it barely got uh, like it a got run. Dumped. And, yeah. It got dumped. It got dumped. It barely, like I, I See was, this movie. And it's, you will love it. Know, it's directed by Lee Winnell, right? Correct. Yeah, who's James Wan's uh, partner okay. in the early days with all the horror movies and everything. You're going to love this movie so much, I think you might like throw a clot. Like, I'm worried about you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely, it's on my list of things I need to see before the blankies because I'm like, that might make my best actor list. Definitely. Just from the see trailer it. alone, what people have told see me. It. And also, it's like 90 minutes, you know, like or whatever, yeah. you know, no, you'll, I need to see you'll that, blast though. through it. No, but I think that's the key to Shyamalan is like when he went astray was when he was like elevated thriller. And when people were like, the happening's bad. And he's like, you don't get it. It's like a commentary it's a B on movie. B movies. That was, that was his, uh, right. And you know, that felt like George Lucas being like, these movies are for kids. Like, shut up. Right. <laughs> Which I hate when people put the qualifiers on it where it's like, you're watching this wrong. If right, you think right. it isn't good, your brain is broken. Right. right and meanwhile, right. like, do you know that lady in the water the village, and maybe I want to say the happening as well. All all ended up on the Kaiyes de Cinema top ten list. Is that so? Village and, and village Lady in the Water. There. I'm a hundred percent. We're on there, and um, 
And they don't include a lot of American films. Yeah, but it's always like, they always include right. something like so that. So he would always in interviews be like, in Europe, they understand me. <laughs> Americans have just become so demanding. Um, <laughs> but he's done this press in the last year after being this guy who started to have this reputation of his hubris destroying him, right? right. His inflated sense of himself. The last year or two, post-split, pre-glass, he's been doing all these interviews where he like is like, I'm not a blank check guy. Like some of those people like Cameron and Lucas and Spielberg, when you give them more, they know how to run with it. And I think I'm better working on a smaller, scrappier level. Mm -hmm. I put my own money on the line because I want to be scared about my own movies again. I really had to bet on myself. Mm -hmm. He was on the Norm Macdonald talk show. It's an episode that's fucking incredible. Where just I, for I need 30 minutes that. he talks about how he figured out everything that he had done wrong in his career and how to rebuild it. And he was like, I need to be scared again. He had this amazing line that I feel like is a thing we talk about a lot where he's like, with filmmaking, directors usually have this period where they're really on a roll. Whether it happens early or late or in the middle of their career, there's a pocket where they just start really clicking and have a couple films that really connect in succession, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, I think there's this thing where it's like your instincts and your understanding of technical craft. Mm -hmm. they they coincide at some moment. Yeah. And then you get to a point where you've had enough success that you're not following your instincts, you're following the patterns of what you think have worked for you before. And you're using your mastery of the craft to guarantee that you're not making missteps. Because yeah. you go, I so thoroughly know how to make a movie at this point, I can't be doing this wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not a rookie. And he was like, I got into that pocket where I was making movies that people didn't like. Yes. And I wouldn't accept they weren't working because I knew I knew how to make a movie. This is his, you know, last airbender right. problem or whatever. Yeah. Right. So he was like, you know, I got to get scrappy. I got to drop all pretensions. I want to scare people. Yeah. I want a movie that makes the audience feel something on a visceral level. Sure. And the other thing he said was, I had kids. I was a young dad. I was a young filmmaker. My movies got less and less scary the more I had kids, and I was watching kids' movies, and I was making so, stories for them. So he killed And my kids. daughters are teenagers. <laughs> Jesus. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's no, a joke. He literally said, like, Jesus. my daughters are teenagers now, and I want to scare the shit out of them. Right, right, Like, right, I'm right, making right. movies they, 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 for, The like, innocence is, is going away, and he wants to make kind of uh, R-rated type right. movies. And these are PG And you're like, movies. the Split and Visit are, like, movies that feel like they're, like, designed for high school girls to be like, do you want to see that scary movie? Split and Visit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. I just want to say, before you talk, Ben, one sec. Um, you're correct. The Village was number two mm -hmm. on the Cahiers list in 2004. Lady in the Water was number six okay. in 2006. And Split was number eight. Oh, Split eight. was the third one. I knew yeah. three of them had made Cahiers. What did you want to say, Ben? Uh, so I've read some of his Zapress he's done. Mm -hmm. Zapress. Uh, and uh, what do you got? He, he's not funny. No, he's weird. Though. It's it's he's it's. Weird. Do you At remember the that time, buried secret where like yeah. he was like playing pool with people right. and stuff? Like he's just got kind of a weird energy. Yeah. Well, and he used to want to build this mythology around him. I mean, buried secret was that the <laughs> the man who heard voices. Like he wanted to be this like this enigmatic supernatural figure, yes. enigmatic theater. And I like that now. He's just like I'm kind of like a basic dad from Philly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the Sixers. Necklaces. He's very into yeah. basketball. Right. He tweets about that. Right. I'm sort yeah. of a goofball. I mean, Norm Macdonald show. They do a segment at the end where he has whoever his guest is, read jokes. Like oh, yes, he's written yes. Norm Macdonald jokes and he puts them on cards and they have to cold read jokes. Mm -hmm. And it's a fun test of like Norm Macdonald who's got such a specific delivery handing his jokes over to people who don't have training as comedians. Right, right, And right, M. Right. Night just like can't do it. <laughs> and he's trying. It's like really sweet and endearing. Because yeah, and one I, I think it was, I don't remember where, maybe it was a New York Magazine mm -hmm. interview. Uh -huh. yeah. And he, it, comedy came up and he was just like talking about writing comedy I'm like 
oh, man, you are not a funny person. Well, and his cameo in Glass is like the weirdest moment in the entire film where he's trying to make it a joke and like a victory lap for the fans. So, Ben, if in case you're not think deep, thinking about this deeply as Griff and I, the character he plays in Glass is the uh, same character he played in Unbreakable where he's like a creepy drug dealer. Right, right? and Split where he's... And Split where he's he's the pizza guy. He's like into wings. And he comes in, remember, and he like, he talks to like Sterling he's, K. Brown or Betty Buckley. I, he or talks to Betty Buckley. Yeah, Sterling K. Brown was cut yeah, out of the movie. He was cut out of the movie. Yeah, he yeah, talks whoever, to Betty Buckley, yeah. yes. Um, And I guess in that one, but he's still like a little shady in that one. Yeah. And in this one, he's trying to be like, see... Like, even though this movie set like three weeks after Split, yeah. like the arc is complete. Like, this guy made good. And the movie grinds all right to now. a halt. Yeah, the right. grinds to a halt. I right. think I was too busy yawning. <laughs> right. And he literally says, like, to pick up on that. I don't know if you remember me. I used to go to the stadium a lot. Yeah. Which, like, I would oh, never yeah. recognize Bruce Willis if I were his character. Well, if I knew who Bruce Willis was. Yes, if you were like, man, that security guard looks sort of a an lot Ocean's like 12 movie situation, star Bruce right? Willis. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know who you look like? Bruce Willis. <laughs> I will say there is a thing. When they cut to the, uh, the um, uh, unbreakable scenes in this, you're just like, God, is that guy handsome? Like, he still looks great old, but Unbreakable is such a specific moment where he was like, I'm shaving the head. He's real bald in Unbreakable. I'm, I'm owning that I'm, like, not, you know, like, mm-hmm. youthful anymore. I kind of enjoy this old Willis, though, with the sort of gray goatee. <sighs> I love this look. I mean, A, I love that he's grown the sides out. Grow them you out. know? Because it's, like, the thing, like, guys like this, it's, like, the sides, it's, even if, if they're stubble, you're seeing too much. I want to make it look like my choice as opposed to balding as much as possible. And this, it's like full, grown-out, white sides. He's weird, so- scruff beard goatee. I know what his head looks like, but his skull. Yeah. So well. He's got one of the best-shaped heads in human history. Right? I really enjoy looking at Bruce Willis. I do, too. I guess that's the best way to put it. I, I, you know, he was a very, I think he was a very handsome guy, you yeah. know, especially back in the sort of yeah. the moonlighting diehard days, right? right. But yeah, he's still just a very striking guy, very expressive face in a weird kind Him of a way. And Samuel L. Jackson together, like okay, because yeah. Samuel L. I mean, his face is just—it's this. You, I feel you know that this. Way you know this. But Samuel Ben, Ben, how old do you think yep. Samuel? I was going to ask this exact. Oh. How old do you think? He how old do you think? I know he's in his fifties. So take a guess. Uh, take a Fifty-seven. Guess. He is seventy. What? 70 years old. Oh my God. The man is 70. And I Holy was thinking about this. I think I was talking you to, said you knew he's in his 50s. Was, That's how old he was in Unbreakable. Right, right, right. Oh my right, God. Right. That's and crazy. I was Unbreakable, talk, he's 51. I was talking to, this, uh, to a friend of the show, Rob Shear. Yes. And he, was it Rob? or I can't remember if it was Joey. I was talking to someone. Okay. Might, this might be Joey Sims, my brother. It's one of the two. Uh, talk to them both. Very, yeah, it's very either someone you grew up with or a friend. <laughs> someone I, I know. Um, <laughs> but they said that, you know, they saw, I think it was, I can't remember. It was, yeah, it was, no, this was Joey, right? Yeah. He, he saw like Mary Poppins, maybe it's some special screening uh-huh. that was Disney. So he saw all three Disney trailers. Okay. And Samuel Jackson is going to be in all of these movies. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Um, yeah, Avengers and Spider-Man. Oh, he's in all three he's Marvels. He's in all this three year. Marvels. Right. And I'm like, he's 70. Yeah. And he's like playing in Nick Fury in these action movies. And also, he you know how of, Nick Fury doesn't age? Samuel yeah. Jackson actually doesn't really age. He also like sat out 10 Marvel yeah, movies in a row. Yeah, he's been taking it easy. Yeah. Right. And I think because he doesn't age, 
people aren't giving the de-aging in Captain Marvel enough credit. Right, 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 right. Because it is also such a weird thing where it's like he was such a big movie star in the 90s. That the fact that they're nailing 90s They're nailing Sam 90s Jack. Sam Jack. They're nailing, like, you know, rules of engagement Samuel Even Jackson earlier. or whatever. Even earlier. Right. Like, uh, the negotiator. Yeah. Yeah. I love the negotiator. God, this fucking guy. I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, like uh, someone was tweeting about, and I love tweeting about ages not matching up, especially with mothers in Hollywood where, like, the second actress is 31. She becomes the mother of a 27-year-old, you know? <laughs> but they were pointing out that Charlene Howard, who plays— Charlene Woodard. Ch- sorry. Charlene Woodard, who plays— uh, Mr. Glass's mother, Mrs. Mrs. Price, is 65. She's younger than Sam Jack. But of and course Sam she was Jack. playing the mother of the child actor. And in the original, in yes. she is only present day in the final they, scene. They age her up in that final scene. They put makeup on her. Yeah. But you look at this movie and you look at her and the age she's supposed to be playing and you're like, Sam Jack is probably supposed to be 20 years younger than his character in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're. Or his age- character's supposed to be 20 years younger than him. But even though they're aging Correct. him, like they've grayed his hair, like from his, you know, his wig is now gray. Right. They're like, maybe this guy was like 37 in the first movie. Right. He's 57 now. And he Samuel Jackson's 70. He's 70. Yeah. He's a gentleman's 70. Because I remember Snakes on a Plane coming out, everyone being like, at 60, Sam Jackson line for his biggest hit ever. Right. I was like, 60? It's aspirational, man. It's so annoying that Snakes on a Plane isn't good. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It, do you just remember that moment where you were like, I don't know, maybe the entire paradigm is shifting. <laughs> like, I remember the Entertainment Weekly cover for Snakes on a Plane was like a, a low-budget thriller that might, ch- might change the film industry forever. Yeah. Spooky. And they wrote spooky with like seven S's. You go, snakes on a plane. Snakes. I just, you know, the story was just so good where they were like, they tried to change the title and Samuel Jackson was like, I literally only signed on yeah. because the script was called Snakes on a right, Plane. They That's the only like, thing I like about They called it like Flight 427. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, who wants to see that? But what's so cool about him too is like his career, I, it's like so all over the place. Yeah. He'll he's do anything. Done, he's done action movies like in the 90s, right? Yeah. He was in like all these thrillers. Mm-hmm. But then he's also done all the Tarantino stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, Spike Lee I mean this this is the key to him I think we've talked about this in other episodes but he was a full on drug addict he was like a a theatrically trained serious stage actor he's a theater guy who did a lot of stage acting right he has small bit parts and stuff where you're like oh he like shows up and like I'm gonna get you sucker yeah but like when he's in like Goodfellas or whatever he's already in his 30s like when he's in Jungle Fever like when he starts to come around he's he's in his 30s then right and I think he was viewed as like best case scenario this guy turns out like John Ortiz he's like a legend of the New York stage and I think he, gets, he was in his 40s. Then. Right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like John Ortiz, like will show up in like big movies and Love he's John like, Ortiz. right. Like he's got like a good film and television career, but he's not like a star. No. You know? Mm-hmm. And Sam Jack, it was like, that's probably where he's heading. He had become a, yeah, be a character. actor. Right. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he had been a full crack cocaine addict for a while. Sure. Kicked it late and then sort of put that experience into jungle fever. Yeah. Which at that point is his third Spike Lee. Um, he's in, yeah, third. Because yeah. I think, like, Do the Right Thing was one of his first, no, fourth, like, fourth, because he's in school days. Sober, kind of like, now he's, like, full on the tracks performances. Sure. Uh, yeah. Jungle Fever, they give him Best Supporting Actor, which is an award that doesn't exist. They did. They invented an award for him. Just to recognize this performance. Off of that, Pulp Fiction. Yep. And then he just becomes a legend, like, immediately overnight. Mm-hmm. And he is a guy where once he starts doing, like, the big paycheck movies, Sam Jack is one of these dudes where he just never fucking phones it in. No. I think he can be good or great. 
Because even I agree. good Sam I've Jack. I never thought he was bad in no, the movie. No, never. No, no, because good Sam Jack, you're like, it's the thing I've seen him do a thousand right, you're times. You're like, hey, he's, he's but he's a Sam pro. Jackson, he's always he's engaging. Fine, you right. can tell he's in the pocket. He works really hard. He's been in bad movies, certainly. Sure. I love how he weighed in recently about uh, the that I think she's a senator uh, calling Trump a motherfucker. Yeah, and how he would like because he's like, I like how he's like the ambassador <laughs> of a motherfucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's so good. At, he's been in so many good movies. I think it was a New Yorker profile of he's him in the some Star years Wars back. movies. Do you remember that? Yeah, he's Mace Windu. Yeah. There was a um, a New Yorker profile of him some years back where mm-hmm. he they talked to his agent, I think, mm-hmm. and he said, "I'm constantly having to deal with phone calls with Sam, where he called me from set complaining about everything, and I have to say to him, Sam, you have to remember, no one else is going to be as good as you are, <laughs> and it's not just in terms of like talent." He's apparently one of those guys where he arrives on set and he's like word perfect, nails his blocking, never has a bad take, mm-hmm. is like so prepared, such a pro, mm-hmm. raps early, goes and plays golf. Like is like really invested, really God. prepared. And he's like, he never fights with actors who I are at him. his same weight class. Sure, sure. And that like you get it, like whatever fucking thing he's in, whether the director's good or bad or not, he sits in his trailer. He apparently watches kung fu movies on a loop. An anime, and then they're like, they call him, he nails it in one take. All right, you know what, Sam Jack, you're gonna be the star of Night Eggs. Well, whoa, whoa, what? That's right. Oh, that's my huge. God. That's humongous. Is Chris on board, White? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, he's producing it, much like uh, Columbus. This is his new Columbus. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, but what I was gonna say, the wind up here is the crazy thing that he has said in press for this movie is that this is the first time he has ever played the title character. Wow, is and that that's true? crazy for the career. What that about we've the just Hitman's bodyguard? Was he not the Hitman's bodyguard? No, the bodyguard is Ryan is Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds? He's, He's the, the Hitman. No, he was Shaft. He was Shaft. Now, of course, there are many Shafts even within part. Shaft. But no, he was Shaft. Shaft. Is referring to the the family. So he name. was Shaft. That is fair. That is. I'm fair. going through to see if there are any others though. Because the negotiator is referring to Kevin Spacey. You could argue. Sure, uh, I mean, they're both the negotiator. Yeah. That's a good movie. That's a good movie. Um, let's see. Uh, Django Unchanged. He was obviously not Django. Um, you know, uh, Thor. No, he wasn't Thor. Interesting. Okay. So, I guess maybe the negotiator is more him than Spacey, but it's kind of like a Black Panther title where it's like it could mean either of them. They're you both know? the negotiator. Yeah. And Spacey's no, so it's, good it's, in that. Okay. okay? Yeah, you got I got you. We talk about Sam Jack a little bit. In, in, like in Sphere, you know. He's good in all these things. Now, I want to talk about <laughs> Bruce a little bit. Because I feel like you and I were particularly excited for the Bruce of this movie. Bruce Willis. And that was Joey's first question to you was, is Bruce trying? Right. That was the thing he wanted to know above yeah, yeah, all else. Yeah. Because I think we're we on the same Bruce. page. We love, we, Bruce. Love Bruce, we love Bruce. And there are few actors. He's the opposite of Sam Jack. He is so often so lazy. So often does not show up to play. Here are the movies. The last Bruce movie that I think that I saw was Looper. And it came out in 2012. Moonrise came out that same year. We, we, we were talking about this. We're in 2012. He did Moonrise and Looper. And he it was hosted sort of SNL. Like a, and you were like, is Bruce going to try again? Right. It looks, it looks like Bruce is having fun again yeah. with some real directors. Here's what he's done. I'm going to read you some titles. 18 Redbox movies. I'm going to read you some titles. Me. I'll tell you if I've fire seen any of Fire with Fire. I have not seen it. A Good Day to Die Hard. A genuine sequel to the Die Hard movies. I didn't see it. Pointedly it was didn't to be awful. see it. Yeah. It was a bomb. Stars uh, him and Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. yeah. Try Courtney. Old, old sack of potatoes himself. G.I. Joe Retaliation. Now, I did not see that. that. Is, 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 it's a supporting role? He plays G.I. Joe. It's one of the best tee-ups where they're like, there's no one who can help us now. We're laying low. 
And then The Rock goes, you know, there is one guy who can help us. And the generic model playing like Flint says who? And he goes, you know, there's a reason they call us Joes. And they cut to Joe Colton. I okay. Like that. Okay. He kind of rules in it. He's he's sort of sleepwalking through it. Sure. But it's like he shoots down a bunch of guys, and The Rock goes like, "How are you doing?" He goes, "My cholesterol could be a little lower." Like it's that kind of like old man joke yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all in on it. Red- I have an action figure of Bruce Willis from GI Joe. How surprising! <laughs> little Bruce, Red Two. He's, see Red he does not show up to play in that movie. And I think um, Red 1 is kind of fun. Red 2, he's not in that film. Now, here's a, I forgot that I actually did see this film yeah. at a press screening. Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Another one where he which like... he does not have much of a role in. He's like a ghost in that movie. Yeah, but even still, it's like I think he's pretty good in the first one. That one, you're just like it, it, fucking... No. The rumor no now effort. is that he works for $1 million a day. And so either his part is incredibly small... Or like all these red box like fire by fire movies. Yeah. It's like they pay him five million dollars to work one week. Right, 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 right. right. Um there's this movie, The Prince, which doesn't exist. Uh has John Cusack and with, Jason Patrick. With, and Jason Patrick. But John Cusack on that poster looks like a body snatcher. Like he looks like a pod person. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is weird. How- I don't mean to be rude, but he used to be so handsome. What happened to him? It feels like like Cusack and Cage did some swap. Like Cage is doing more legitimate movies sure. again. Yeah, and he yeah, like yeah. tricked Cusack into like take it like yeah, and, right, and it right. follows syndrome. Yeah, right. He like he red boxed him. Now or whatever, Cusack right? is yeah, stuck yeah, being yeah. poorly photoshopped on these posters. He was in a movie called Vice. No, no, not Adam McKay's no. hit Cheney biopic. He actually, I mean, he could be a good Cheney in an alternate universe. He'd be a great Cheney. Yeah, he was in Rock the Casbah. I didn't see it. I didn't either. He was in something called Extraction. Not a movie. He was in something called Precious Cargo. Doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> These titles are just so funny. He's all a, truly you always look it up to and it's like yeah. Mark Paul Gosselar, mm-hmm. Thomas Jane, like his co-star yeah. is always something you're like, oh, okay, Kellen Lutz. Right. Uh, Mer- John Cusack wearing leather gloves. <laughs> he was in something with uh, the co-star this time was Christopher Maloney, and it's called Marauders. No, he wasn't. That movie doesn't exist. Uh, he was in Once Upon a Time in Venice. Yeah, that's uh, a weird one. Which is, he's got like a dog. Yeah. It's him and Adam Goodman's Goldberg. in it. Yeah. Famke Janssen. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Something called First Kill. But, but. No, I'm not done. Uh, I'm not done. He's made so many First movies. First Kill with Hayden Christensen. Ugh. Acts of Violence. These titles are incredible. Yeah. With uh, who's in this one? Someone should Cole make, Hauser. Someone should make a website that's random Bruce Willis red box title generator, and you yes. could come up with all of these. Then he's in uh, something called Reprisal with Frank Grillo, who is mm-hmm. like you know the king of red box, right? Something called Airstrike with Adrian Brody, which like what is going Jesus on? This is I think this is a Chinese Christ. production. Wow! <laughs> Everyone, look up the Airstrike poster now. Airstrike, and he then he was in a film that was actually like released in theaters, which is Eli Roth's Death Witch, which right. I did not see. Which is a, a which a lot of people are like gross. Yeah, <laughs> like, peak wrong time, wrong place movie. Yeah. So that and now he's in Glass. So that's what Brucey's been up after that wow. promising year where he was in these good movies, making an effort. Yeah. He just literally was like, "Does it film in Bulgaria? <laughs> right, <laughs> I'll be there." Does it film in the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia? You'll pay me in gold? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I only, uh, aluminum futures are, are my currency now? Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't work for less than three wives. 
Yeah, he has four um, islands off the coast of Dubai now. Yeah, right. So he's he's in motherless Brooklyn Ed Norton. Sure, which Jonathan I mean, I hope he's I hope he's good in that. I hope that's good. So this is the the legend about him, at least these days. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was flipping through the channels and some of the Jackal came on and it was like, this is like, he's still like trying That's these days. That's been on Stars recently. Yeah. yeah. It was on maybe Action. Stars Action. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stars Max. The, the legend about sort of, I would say like post, you know, 2004 Willis mm. is that uh, he tests his directors in a way that sort of sounds like late period Brando. Right. Where he on the first day is like, and what kind of lens are you going to use for this and how many setups? Right. And if they don't have a clear answer and don't know what they're talking about, sure. he decides he's going to be a fucking asshole to them. Kevin Smith tells all these stories about what right. a nightmare he was. Right. Kevin uh, Smith also out. famously right. not a very sophisticated filmmaker. Right. If you ask him about lenses, Kevin Smith's probably like whatever the DP says, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and it, so it makes sense when you look at the one commonality is he is good every time he works with a real a proper director. director, pretty much every time. But unfortunately, he doesn't seem to care that much about doing good movies. When they come to him, he'll take them. Yeah. Uh, and he's happy to just work on these bullshit things in Bulgaria for two hours. Right, and that get are paid. directed by like creative players from like various <laughs> EA games <laughs> that somehow came to life. Yeah, I'm just looking. Uh, Airstrike was directed by a me, a Nintendo me. <laughs> oh my god! So I think. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. That's what it was. It yes. said to Bruce. Yeah. Um, there was a point, like maybe six or seven years ago, where Shyamalan was shopping around a new movie that was like a spiritual drama starring Bruce, and I was yeah, like, where they like he like walks across the earth or something. Right. And I was like, they gotta work together again. Like yeah. I don't care what this pitch is. They, but both of them need to be working with each other again. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then when he shows up at the end of Split, I was like, this is great. Unbreakable. Labor sequel. of Love was the name of that that movie. Right. But more than anything, I was like, I want to see Bruce work with one of his guys again. I want to see Bruce try. And then he shows up in the trailer and the promotional materials with the sides, with the beard. And I was like, he's owning his age. That character, I think Unbreakable is his best performance ever. I, I think uh, Bruce. Monkeys. That's my favorite Bruce. He gave a lot of good performances in the 90s. Yeah. But I think uh, the, the key to Bruce is that there was always this underlying sadness to him, mm -hmm. which 12 Monkeys taps into, totally, Pulp 100%. Fiction, yeah. Unbreakable. Yeah. There's a melancholy quality to him. Certainly the first Die Hard, and they get further and further away from it as it goes sure, on. Sure. And I feel like Shyamalan got the inherent sadness of Bruce Obviously better than most directors. Yeah. Right. Haunted so, movie. Right. So I was just like so in it. And then the big. Maybe the biggest twist of this movie is that, like, Bruce Willis is, like, the fifth biggest character. Yeah. So, like, for biggest character in this movie, who we haven't talked about much yet, James McAvoy. Right. Uh, and then number two, I guess, I guess it's Sam Jack, even though he's not in the first chunk. I'd say it's, like, maybe Sarah Paulson. Maybe Sarah Paulson. Yeah. And then, then, you know, I think Bruce is... Is four, like four, right? Because I don't think Anya Taylor Joy or like Spencer Treat Clark. No, I'd say had they're sort of do. tied right after that. So right. Spencer Treat Clark is in a lot of this, which I was very pleasantly surprised by. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, yeah, he's good. He's right. fine. He's good. Looks like he did when he was a kid. Yes, weird. Yeah, very and haunted hot. eyes. You turned to me and said, "Pretty hot." Yeah, and he, he was on Shield, Agents of Shield, which oh, okay. I like. Will watch over Joanna's shoulder sometimes. Yeah. And I remember I was like, oh, look, it's what's his pants from well, Gladiator huge and 2000. It was yeah. Gladiator and Unbreakable in the yeah. same year. Um, but yes, I mean, I think we were surprised as billing freaks by the billing when this 
movie count. You're like, McAvoy gets first, I guess, because it's the sequel to yeah. Split. But also, like, Bruce and Sam Jack are such bigger stars. Sure. Sam Jack is, makes total sense as the and in yeah. this movie, which he is in the end credits. Uh-huh. It's and Samuel L. Jackson right. as right. Mr. Glass, which few things get me harder than an and as. As the title character. Oh, so good. It's so Ooh. cool. Ben, can you turn the heat down in here? I'm getting a little worked up. Yeah. Oh, Ben just rolled his eyes at me. <laughs> but Sam Jack is literally comatose for much of this movie. Sure. Right. And Bruce. But kind he's of, not really. Right. He's playing you. Bruce is kind of like comatose plot wise. Like the movie in order to work needs to put him on the bench for a while. Just being like, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. That's true. I think everything he does is really good. You can tell he's trying. It's not maybe the Bruce showcase we were all hoping it would be. That's fair. But it is a fairly Shyamalan Bruce performance. A hundred percent. You know, his Sixth Sense and Unbreakable performances are also very muted. And he's quiet. He's in it. He's totally in it. I agree. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about the start of this movie. The cold open is we go straight into split land, right? Doesn't it start with the cheerleaders? We've seen this now two weeks ago. Ben, you saw this yesterday. It starts with it cutting between that, uh, the horde has kidnapped new, new Right, right. You get a lot of news coverage. And, you know, the, the, uh, David Dunn is, is like patrolling around looking for them. Like, cause there's that thing that isn't the first scene that like, um, I feel da- like it starts with the cheerleaders. Yeah, but what about the scene where David Don beats up the um the, I think that's the, the Salt Bay scene. kids? I think that's the, the second kids who were scene. Salt Baying and uh, you know they're, I mean, they're beating way, someone up. This is what you're talking about. Where the movie's going back and forth between Split and Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romilly has not seen any Shyamalan movies. Wants to see Glass. Was like, Why? am I going to get it if I haven't seen Split? And I'm no. like, well, but here's the thing. No, I think the Split stuff is pretty clearly re-explained at the beginning of this movie. She's going to be a hundred percent lost if she hasn't seen Unbreakable. You have to see Split because yes, the basics of Split are yeah. explained. But then later in the movie, he, you know. People are talking to specific uh, yeah. personalities, yes, like and drawing them out. And the movie sure. is kind of like you need to know who this is yeah. and what the like what this means. I mean, there are a few movies that are this inaccessible if you haven't seen both previous films. Yeah, totally. You need to see. What both are the personalities films. that are the main? It's Hedwig, uh, Hedwig, Patricia, Patricia, and then the like the OCD guy. Yes, I well, the I OCD guy was really big. In split. In, in split. And yeah. I feel like, uh, is it Barry? Is that him? No. Yes. Barry. Is it Barry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, um, you know, who's the little kid? Dennis? Sure. I'm bad on the names. I thought Hedwig, Hedwig was the little boy. Am I wrong about that? All right, let's find out. Here we Whatever. Go. Okay. Jade, a foul-mouthed teenage girl. Uh, Barry is the oh, the effeminate the uh, fashion guy. Designer? The fashion He's guy. He's in the fashion. Patricia like. is, like yeah, Hedwig is the little boy. You're right. right. Sorry, sorry. Right. Patricia's Dennis, the Dennis is the OCD creep. Okay. Yeah. Um, BT is like the surfer dude. Because oh, there's some BT? new ones. There's a lot of new ones. Uh, yeah, there's Samuel who like speaks Spanish. I mean, that's uh, a, that there's was Mr. The first Pritchard thing. who's like, "Hello, I'm Mr. Pritchard." The first thing I told Ben was like, "You're gonna be happy because there's a 10 minute sequence where they literally just cycle through." Yeah, them. Right, right, yeah, right. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't do. They didn't go with any of the the my predictions. No. You know, and I well, thought there well, were some we, really good me, ones. Well, well, I was did. hoping like a pirate showed up. <laughs> this yeah. guy, David. This this guy, where did we ever find BH? him? BH? BH. I, I, I drove him here this morning. Did you my, really? In my motor car. Yeah. 
Because we live near each other. That's really sweet. And uh, nice. he gets in the car and he's like, I've been like, what are you doing? He's fucking wired. This guy, he's probably yeah. just like drank a bunch of coffee, coffee in his butt or something. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, chug coffee. I don't know, made a meme this morning. I'm making a meme right now <laughs> where you send someone a picture of iced tea and then they got to go get a Smirnoff ice because like yeah, they've iced been iced. <laughs> I didn't, like, realize, <laughs> I didn't realize he's been doing like nonstop Instagram stories on our on our feed. Just yeah. of who he parties with yeah, on a night to night basis. Like Chingus. No, that's <laughs> Doughboys. What, whatever your Changston. Yeah, Changston. Like whatever your Jersey guys. He's hanging out like, with like uh, uh, Kavanaugh's buddies. <laughs> oh named Flippy and <laughs> Okay, no. Ripsack. <laughs> Let's take it easy. All right. I'm not hanging out with bad boys. No, no, you have good upstanding friends like us. Um so yeah, the, the movie's starting out, and it's like very much like, here's what, what old Mr. Split's up to, still terrorizing people. Right. They're trying to find him, and then I think some pretty good, like, okay, here's the status quo for who I've always called security. That was what I sort yeah. of, I feel like fans have dubbed him, but this they call him the overseer. <laughs> Huge mistake. I think so, too. Huge error. One- I don't think it's a great name. It's not a great name. Overseers, you know, has a, a problematic connotation to- uh, Slavery. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm sure this was not intended, but uh, it's got that vibe was, to There was it. another name they'd like throw out in the movie where Spencer Tree Clark is There's like a, running he, he, down all the things people have been down, calling. There's one that's like the green something. The green ghost or something. I don't yeah. Know. I just thought security was so good because it's so security. great in the first one. When Should have been the see, peeper. Yeah. Should have been called the peeper. Nothing problematic about that. No, certainly not. <laughs> But, you know, I like when I'm watching this movie. So mm-hmm. we saw this together at yeah. a press screening. Yes. Before you went to uh, on vacation. Yes. And I'd say the screening was like 50% press, 50% general public. Yeah, there was a some, long uh, line of people some, trying to get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, they always try and fill up the theater right. so that we have a, like a more active crowd. For so we like saw it with a mix. And I feel like they started getting more and more silent as the movie went on. One hundred percent. There was movie. also a strange incident where someone was like kicked out of the theater for like air drumming along to the movie. Was clapping a lot. Was yeah. mirroring things that uh, James McAvoy did on screen, yeah. and then Just like somewhat, jumped over the seats and said like "fuck right. you all." Right. Yeah. You won't let me enjoy this movie. Yeah. But then when we were walking, oh, people yeah, were like, that, "That was the best part of the movie." <laughs> I, I feel like this is the kind of movie where certain screenings you can have the old Shyamalan effect, where by the last thirty minutes, the entire audience is laughing. Mm-hmm. It feels like a movie that is doing such weird things. Right. With such earnestness. Our our audience was more just quiet, they were which just is muted. what I've heard from other people too. It's just like at the end, kind Confused. of like scattered claps, confusion, right? But the last 40 minutes too, you're watching it and you're like, I know they're not giving me all the information. I know M. Night's doing something. Sure. If not a twist per se, he's right. withholding shit. And then M. Night's like sort of like, here are a bunch of twists, but isn't the real twist within us or whatever? You know what I mean? Right. Like The, well, the twist was in us now, all along. I would like to say at my screening, it was definitely a date night. Oh, kind of, and hey, man, it's a holiday weekend. I mean, this is this movie's make opening fifty million. Yeah, yeah. Throughout this movie, there was a bunch of boys explaining the other movies to girls. Oh boy! So guys were like, you know, it's a good idea for this girl uh, who might let me kiss her. Kiss? Yeah. I'm gonna take her to a movie (laughs) that's like you. Again, you have to have seen the prior ones. Right, right. The whole time, I just kept hearing multiple guys like, he's. He, he's many God the whore, and it's just like right. oh my god but it's also like this whole thing is like this whole movie is like him deconstructing the audience's expectations for this movie 
Yeah. So if you go in with no expectations, you're just like, why is this guy yelling at me? The other thing, I just tried to order a coffee. The other thing to your sister. The sister's, barista's screaming at to you. To your sister's question. These beans aren't locally sourced. <laughs> to, the, to your sister's question is, yes. um, the Anya Taylor-Joy character, if you watch this without having watched Split, yeah. you might not even register that she had once been like an enemy of the horse. Yeah, that she's the final <laughs> girl. Because the movie kind of shows up, but she's like, thanks so much for helping me through a lot of stuff when you kidnapped me and ate I my friends. Gotta save this guy. <laughs> it, it almost, you ate Haley Lou Richardson's tummy. It almost, which is no good, very bad. Don't, <laughs> Don't do, do it. it. <laughs> she's a sweetheart, national treasure. I was going to say, uh, this movie almost treats her relationship to... Uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb, like Emma Stone with Bradley Cooper, where she's right. like, he's broken, but there's greatness it. somewhere I in this get guy. It with this guy. Yes, he's right. a fixer upper, certainly. But. <laughs> so he's got an extra toe. Right. Um, his toe's so weird. Remember Bradley Cooper was in Aloha? Remember Aloha? It's about this guy. It's about this guy. I kind of feel like we should do an Aloha screening. David's thinking. The only problem is the fucking that she's Asian in it. That That just sucks. Yeah, you're right. That's the only problem. No, I'm just with saying, that. like, no, I know literally, saying. with like actually recirculating that film. <laughs> like, Did you, you know hear that I mean? thing where Sandra O oh at of the course, Golden Globes and Emma made Stone, her joke? Emma Stone screamed, "I'm sorry." Off, off camera, off, off camera. Like she apparently stood up in the theater and screamed, "I'm sorry." I mean, at the Globes, everyone's been drinking for hours before the show even starts, yeah. and so I think you know, maybe yeah. she was drunk. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was funny. Uh, I do too. I think that's cool. Um, so. This movie, you're flipping fat back and forth between them. I like the setup they set up of just like, this is how Bruce Willis has been functioning in the 19 years in between. He's been keeping a pretty low profile, but the internet's tracking onto him more and more. He's kind of a Batman-esque myth where people are like, this is like a nonsense right. thing. He's, he's this weird... is like a Slender Man online rumor. But you also have this notion that he like never graduated past like low-level vigilante. Like He mostly just kind of like cleans up the streets a little bit. And you also, I feel like, get the vibe that he probably wouldn't even have kept that much up if not for his son, right. who has become his, his sort like of into oracle right. figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Audrey has died, which is a bummer. It's a bummer. My guess is Robin Wright Penn was like, I'm, I'm not going to in that movie. I think so too. And when they like start out so much with him still trying to get over the sadness of her death, I was like, this is going to have some story purpose. Yeah. It's going to be something that builds into his character and it just kind of feels like Robin Wright didn't want to do the movie. Yeah. She Which, was just like, I'm making House of Cards. I'm busy. She's so good and unbreakable and I feel you like love that relationship that is such a big thing. And the main unbreakable theme, which they keep on reusing in this movie because it's a different person doing the score because it's not James Newton Howard, in the end credits, they keep on crediting as if they were separate songs mm. the times where they use James Newton Howard's score. Yeah. And I think pointedly, the most famous track from the Unbreakable score is called Carrying Audrey mm -hmm. because the moment where the hero theme really kicks in is when he like carries his wife up the stairs and is like, I'm going to save this marriage. <laughs> it's such a good fucking movie. Um, but yes, his son's functioning as the Oracle. He runs a security company. He saved M. Night Shyamalan's life. So in a way, Bruce Willis is daddy in this movie. Bruce Willis is daddy in this movie. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I like their whole sort of- Can I get some daddy points? You get daddy points. Two daddy points. It's- Sure. It's a smart- nice. What are you going to do with them? Well, you get- uh, For each point, you get five minutes of silence. On, on mic? Well, no, just I get now in the world quiet time. Okay, cool. You get five big pieces of chicken. I'm sure those are, those are dad things. Daddy things. Yeah. I've mm. I've talked about Papa executive privilege time on this podcast, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. My you're, my you're, mother you're would sleep in. My father would wake Jamesy and I up. This was before Romley was born. 
And he'd set us down at the table with like our cereal and be like, okay, 20 minutes, Griff, you have to switch over Cartoon Network to ESPN. And then he would go, don't bother me. It's pop executive privilege time. <laughs> and he would go into the bathroom with a mug of coffee and six newspapers and just shit for 45 minutes. <laughs> he would shit and read the newspaper with a cup of coffee. Like I'm loading it in just as it's going out <laughs> for 45 minutes. And then he would come out and he'd be like, okay, time to get in the car. And it was just called Papa Executive Privilege Time. I, I for one, that's those are literally what you cash daddy points. It's in literally on. like out of Portnoy's complaint. Yes. like what you just told yes. me. Two, it does feel like that thing. Like a dad would figure out where he's like, look, I'm used to shitting all the time. <laughs> now I got these kids. You yeah. know, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out. You gotta just pick a window. And they clearly made a, a deal. My father and mother, where it's like, you're taking them to school every day. I'll let sure. you sleep in. I'll take them to school before the office. Right. But here's the one thing. I got to take a solid 45-minute shit and read all six newspapers and drink, like, four cups of coffee. And you and your brother would just sort of sit quietly and, like, watch television? Yeah, sometimes we'd yell out, like, he's not changing the channel. And James right. would be like, they're up to two on SportsCenter Countdown. Right, right, right. He'd be like, right. Griff, let him get one. You'll get 10 extra minutes tomorrow. You know, whatever I want to watch, like Angela Anaconda or, like, whatever was on at 7 a.m. And he would just open the door and there would just be the strongest smell of coffee and shit wafting from this bathroom to give his official ruling on the TV time. This is the 200 episode content people were asking for. Papa executive privilege time. That should be a Patreon tier is Papa executive privilege time. But that's why I'm sorry. I've just been devastated. But <laughs> it just laid me real low. It's great. There are all these things my father did, which I didn't realize Whew, were so funny. Water. Where I was like, that's right, a right, bit right. he's doing for himself to call it executive privilege time. It's a good bit. No, anytime I smell coffee, I think of my father shitting. <laughs> Jesus. And it's not a thing I reveal a lot because it makes it weird that I drink as much coffee as I do. But that's my immediate trigger. Is that why you get raspberry coffee to sort of like I cover kinda, the smell? I kind of think so. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't untangled it until now, but I think you're kind of right about that. That's why I get weird artificially flavored coffee. Interesting. All right. So, you know, that's. I, I was going to say a thing. A thing I like in the good Shyamalan, like, let me explain the wor- the rules of a real world superhero. There's a pretty smart system that he doesn't over explain in this where it's like. Oh, they run a security company. They install cameras, so they have eyes everywhere. So Spencer Tree Clark can be this oracle. The other thing is they're laying the groundwork for the final thing. Yeah, he's very into the security camera videos thing in general. Right, where he keeps on cutting in these shots of people installing them, and you're like, where the fuck is this going? It's that Shyamalan thing. And I will say, like, for better or worse, it was fun to be in a Shyamalan movie. And Split had a bit of this, too. Where, like, right, this was the thing with him. You'd sit forward and go, like, where is this guy going? Right. Like, whether or not you liked a movie, you knew that Shyamalan was always going to try to throw you off his scent. Yeah. So you're really leaning forward trying to crack the thing. With this movie, I really was. Well, at the first, I was like, no, okay, I get this. Right. And then there's the big showdown. Uh, in a warehouse. Happens 45 minutes in, right? right. The first 45 minutes, these two guys sort of dancing around David each does this other. thing where he like walks around and bumps into people to try and see if they're bad. Gets the glimpses. And yeah. so, and then, yeah, and he bumps into old James McAvoy. And we get a couple cuts of Sam Jack, but he's he's just done. They've done experimental procedures on him. He's got a scar in his head. He's dead. He's, he's nonverbal. He's slumped over in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, they have the showdown. I guess the only thing I thought about the showdown was like, this is happening early, so clearly. But I've seen the trailer, so I know we they're know all going to end up in the a posters, the three game. of them in the chairs. Like we know that's where it's going. Mm-hmm. But it, this really does feel like a final battle. In the vernacular we know of how these superhero movies go, it doesn't feel like whiplash at the racetracks. Right. It feels like the final Stark Expo thing. And, of course, in the story terms, what what's happening here also is, like, Jim, you know, the, the Horde is so intrigued by this unbreakable man. Like, who is this? Finally, it's an another equal. person like me, right? And you get some great, like, the Horde, like, throwing the table and, mm-hmm. and Mr. Unbreakable catching it. Yeah. Can I just call him Mr. Unbreakable from here on out? That's fine. Can you also, can you please get me a bottle of water? Yeah. I love you. You're my friend. <laughs> so then they're fighting, they're fighting, they get knocked out the window, and there's a line of police cars, and you get like a real, like, underlined movie star intro for Sarah Paulson. Like, he's really putting attention on, this is an important character. Dr. Ellie Staple! Yes. And this is where the movie sort of starts, like, completely, like, (laughs) imploding, exploding, pulling the brake, like, everything. Uh Uh-huh. And then you essentially get to the three of them in a room. They're, They're assigned to their separate rooms. You get the systems of Mr. Unbreakables and, like, an impenetrable steel box. But no, with water. He's surrounded by oh, showers. Right, and he's got showers. Yes. Uh, Mr. Split is in a room with a light the that lights. will trigger the, the characters if he moves past a certain point. Mr. Glass is just brain dead at this point. Sadly. But she puts the Guess three he of them, won't be in the movie. She puts the three of them in a room that's like a really aggressive pink, which apparently is a real uh, psychiatric trick that mental institutions used to use. This, this shade of pink that kind of drives you crazy and placates you at the same time. Can I also... To try to neutralize violent threats. Can I read some Shyamalan? Please. This is Shyamalan's tweets. Yes. I chose ochre or mustard, uh-huh. the beast. Mm-hmm. You know, McAvoy's always in yellow. This is very much a color scheme movie. Yes. Yeah. He likes colors. Right. He always has. Uh, because this color is associated with religion, Buddhism, mm-hmm. Hinduism, a monk's robe. He does I with see, the shaped head and the yellow yes, scrubs. He I looks see the kind beast of, as yeah. an evangelist, a preacher who wants to save the broken. Wow. I chose purple for Mr. Glass because this color has been associated with royalty, majesty. Elijah sees himself as important. And the purple is in there very much from the first one. And I chose green for David Dunn because it is life-giving. David is the protector of life. Yeah. The, as the characters become believe in the comic world, the primary colors in the film are dominant. As they stop believing, it becomes monochromatic. The pink room, red fading to white. Yeah. Is like them stopping. Oh, the it's believing. the midpoint. Okay, yes. interesting. I'm, I'm sure you're right too, though. I'm just saying when they cut. I like that. Yes, when they cut to uh, the clips from Unbreakable, you remember like that movie is like almost in black and white. Like it's so, so muddy, yeah. monochromatic, and and this it's immediately jarring when suddenly they're like bright primary colors. Yes, because <laughs> yep. even Mr. Glass is purple in Unbreakable, but mm-hmm. it's like a desaturated very purple. Deep. Yes, very dark. Right, and this they're going like super bright. When you get to this room and suddenly the movie like grinds to a halt yeah. in a way that I think you and I found exciting. Right. And a lot of people are like, why what, isn't this movie now? doing what I paid movie just for? Talking? Yeah, I thought this is a superhero movie. Now they're in jammies and they're talking. Right. <laughs> to be fair, the subtitle of Glass is Jam Jam Time. <laughs> it is a Jam Jam movie. <laughs> time for jammies. And Sarah Soft Paulson color. essentially has like a 10 minute monologue yeah. where she explains that now in culture, there's an increasing phenomenon of people believing they're in a comic book and using it to justify their actions. Right. Ordinary things that they perceive as being extraordinary. 
but also, and this is what's kind of interesting, and this is where I start to like retroactively accept Split a little more, all the things that may be uncomfortable with Split, mm-hmm. that it's this people trying to find meaning in in trauma and horrible events. Yes. Now, this is like, as we debated in Split, it's, yeah. it's, it's highly... <laughs> sensitive stuff that he is he's just kind of like throwing in the blender and pressing pulse which especially when it comes to Mr. Split what you just said that he views him as this like religious figure of like trauma being this purifying thing that they're pure now him and Anya Taylor-Joy because they've experienced more pain now of course that's just what Mr. Split thinks it's not what Shyamalan thinks right now in Split I was like what it does Shyamalan think this? Right, and in this, right. it's clear because you have three contrasting viewpoints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four if you include Ellie, right? Right, right, right. That it's right. like these are people who are trying to find meaning in the seeming meaningless of their major life events yeah. by ascribing them mythic status. Mm-hmm. These are inciting incidents. These are origin stories. These are the inciting traumas, you know? Right. So then I'm starting to really get in on this fucking thing. Because she starts questioning not only the movie you've been watching, but the last two movies, and saying, "What if none of that happened?" Right. And just am I kind of the an impressive performance? Is showing. Her. I think she rules because it's like right. She's saying like, "Mr. Unbreakable, you're not unbreakable. This is all in your head. You're just like you had this traumatic injury when you were young. Yeah. You know." And she's like, and like, and I'm like, maybe she's right. Even though I'm like, I saw Unbreakable. Right. He's unbreakable. He was in the train crash. Right, but she's like, your weakness is water. Like everyone, like everyone drowns. You know, sure. Like you're just freaked out by it. And the other thing is, she, I think she um, cites like the sort of mother gaining the adrenaline, adrenaline when a child is trapped. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, because you convinced yourself you were unbreakable, you were able to do these things because of the adrenaline rush you gave yourself, and because you're not stopping yourself in a way that most normal people would. You know, uh, like Mr. Split, those bars were old and rusty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. When she says the bars thing, I'm like, she's just talking to the audience. She didn't right. see that. Right. You know, like she's talking about a specific shot from Split of yeah. him pulling she's, the bars. She's talking about wet shells, the shotgun shells. Yeah. Right. Anya Taylor-Joy said that, you know, he was crawling on the ceiling, but then when they captured, when they stole his computer, they found rock climbing videos, so he might have just studied that. I mean, I just like that she's immediately going like, you guys are ascribing meaning to everything. Right. But can we talk about the twist here? Yes, which is? Well, she's she knows they're for real. Oh, you want to talk about the end twist here? Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, people who are listening have seen the movie. Hopefully. Right, right. And what she later reveals is like, I'm fucking with you guys. I know you're superheroes. I am responsible for getting you guys out of the world. There's a secret society of normies <laughs> that have been trying to keep a damper on extraordinary things. Right. That comic books, as Sam Jack has been implying with all of his monologues across two films. Right. Are us trying to make sense of these phenomenons the same way we wrote stories about Greek gods. That there are these exceptional things, and perhaps we heighten them into a way that is somewhat different, but it's our way of rationalizing people who have extraordinary abilities in one way or another. You know? Mm -hmm. People who are extraordinarily uh, handicapped or powered in their lives. Okay. It's the same thing. When you can't make sense of the abnormal, be it good or bad, Mm -hmm. you try to make it into fantasy. But that fantasy is based in reality. (laughs) And she's (laughs) arguing the opposite, but in fact is really fighting for the truth which is we need to make people think they're not capable of doing things so these mutants know their place, right. both good and bad. Yep. And that's why they have three-leaf clovers. Which is pretty nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Yeah. And like, I've seen people be like, you know, um, ah, the twist in this movie is one of those classic bad Shyamalan twists, a twist for twist's sake. Nope. You know, underwhelming. What? No, yeah. it isn't. It's insane. It's baked this into the cake bananas. and it's insane. It's not insane in the way where it's like you're watching a movie about, you know, a Mr. Hot Dog and then it turns out Mr. Hot Dog is actually a hamburger. Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah, like, and right, you're just right. like, and the, mo- where the movie is just like, it's just an entirely different thing. You know, right. one of those bonkers twists. But like, it's still a crazy thing to make the third act reveal of your third movie. Yeah. And also, the second act reveal is maybe the last two movies were bullshit. Right, right. And the third act reveal is like, no, no, no. They're real. Right, so it's but not like no a twist for twist's sake. Like, <laughs> our, our friend Belga Beery had seen, a uh, friend of the show, Glass. had seen this movie earlier than us, and you asked him what he thought, and he said, it's like Unbreakable and Split are fighting each other. Right, like, right, two right, movies right, are fighting right, each right, other. Right, right, but right. the whole movie just feels like a bunch of different arm wrestling matches between whose character is in control, what type of movie is in control. And so the end twist isn't arbitrary. You're explaining what people's motivations were, but it's all part of this one thing the movie's about, which is our relationship between mythology and reality yeah. and, and what lies in the middle, you know? Are we projecting incredible things onto our life because we love mythology or is mythology the way we process the things that can't be explained in reality? Yeah. Which is a crazy thing to make a movie about and gets me rock hard. Okay. So... Now the movie is has kind of ground to a halt. Yep. Because, not only that, yeah. Mr. Glass has still not done anything. No. He's just sitting there drooling. Right, and you're like, this is a real Ann Samuel L. Jackson performance. Right, right. Because right. I don't think he talks until maybe minute 90. Yeah. How did you feel about it, Ben? At this stage in the movie, mm-hmm. I'm losing interest. Yeah. Honestly. I think this is where it loses most people. Yeah. Because once the rules of then her setting up like maybe you aren't super you right. know and you're kind of questioning you know and, and and then also you have no idea where this is going and you could imagine this being a Shyamalan final twist you see a full superhero movie and at the end they go to the asylum and she says no that was real it was all in your head here's the video of what it actually looked like in I reality honestly right. didn't know I thought yeah. it, I, I really could not see where it was going because you know there's so much more movie left and you're like how do you get over this hump of just stopping the movie dead in its tracks right yeah right, yeah right. Um, yeah yeah I I think it's crazy that this is what he decided to do with this movie it's insane I it, I like it I like that he did it it's crazy that he decided to do this with this movie yeah now this is when it starts to do shift do you think he always was going to do this with this movie because he always know. had the unbreak first unbreakable script, right? That had the horde as the enemy at the end, you know. Right. And he was like, "That's too much. Make that another movie." Yeah. But do you think he was always like? Because he would always say, "Like, oh, it's a trilogy." Yeah. Like this is the last part. Well, he and all had also said at some point, like, I had an idea for what maybe would be an unbreakable sequel, and I'd maybe do it as one of those Night Chronicles movies. I mean, I feel like he had a lot of sort of like half ideas, right? Um, but I think there probably was a more conventional trilogy in his mind when he was writing Unbreakable yeah. of like rise, peak, fall, right. you know, of a hero. Um, I mean, that was his whole point was that Unbreakable was just the first act of what is usually a superhero movie. It's an origin story, but all three movies are origin stories. That's the crazy thing. That's one of his twists. Yes. Um, um, yeah. And at some pointed out, uh, I guess someone had been re-listening to our Unbreakable episode, and I said in that... Ben has to put this episode out now. I know. <laughs> I was so uh, unbreakably uh, upset at the time that he wasn't making two more films 
Right. But that watching it in 2016, whenever we were doing that episode, um, I, I felt like it's good he never made the sequels because the sequels would never actually be satisfying. Yeah. The most exciting thing is to see this guy rise and then to see him end up in a generic superhero Avenger vigilante movie right. would be kind of boring. I don't think it has – the characters made such a big emotional growth. You know, that's mm-hmm. what the movie's really about is him accepting himself. That the second one would just feel like a generic thriller, sure. maybe. And uh, this is just him being like, I have no interest in doing that. Yeah. You know, I want to show you a little bit about how this yeah, guy's he, been living in the 19 years in between. You understand the system of his, I'll like, give you one fight. crime fighting. Right. right, right. How he works with his son, all of this. But then this movie, A, starts to shift a little more over to Sam Jack, which is weird because at this point he still is nonverbal. Yeah. And shift over to the three people they each have on the outside. Yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy for Mr. Split, Mama Glass for Mr. Glass, Yep. and uh, what's his name, Jacob? Uh, Joseph. Joseph. Joseph Dunn. Uh, for Mr. Unbreakable. And they're all trying to figure out what's going on. And are literally, there's a scene where you went to the bathroom where uh, Joseph and Anya Taylor-Joy are like in a comic book shop at the same time. They don't know each other. <laughs> right. And they're both studying comic yeah. books, literally staring at covers, looking for clues, mm-hmm. like looking and for meanings and of how to interpret like, the story. This is where I was like, I can be here. Where like the guy is like, well, the first comic superhero is uh, right. Action Comics number one or whatever. You know, That's like, the crazy thing is that Unbreakable literally opens with like 12 title cards of being like, there people are four comic, comic books, books published per minute. <laughs> The average comic book has 32 pages and, and know, four staples. Shyamalan t- <laughs> talks about that where like when he was making Unbreakable, Disney was like, can you not say comics much? Like, yeah. That's for dorks. That's for bibbies. And it really feels like he's making this movie with that mindset without, you know, yeah. still in place. <laughs> not like everyone knows about this shit now. Well, you were saying also like walking out of the theater, you were like, this movie feels like M. Night Shyamalan arguing that he invented the comic book movie. <laughs> That like every superhero movie of the 21st century Unbreakable, has yes. been part of the Shyamalan <laughs> yes. cinematic universe and that it's born out of our like common delusion, right. like our cultural right. delusion. But then at the end, he's like, no, 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 I was just kidding. Yeah, they're great. And we all have to believe it's like literally like fucking Peter Pan. Like the more right. people see it, the more they believe. You know, I will say that the the secret society mm-hmm. That feels like a newer kind of invention for the genre. Very much Because so. they have no motivation, really. Yeah. Usually it's power, money, but whatever, what's driving them is status quo. It's weird. It's, Which, it's, uh, look, there's a, there's a basis. I feel like we haven't seen stuff like that before in superhero fiction, right? I, don't, I can't think of a comic book that's ever even introduced an idea like that. Because usually secret organizations, comic books are like, the Hellfire Club. Like, they are also mystical and powered. Yeah, totally. And they're just trying to use it for their own gain or whatever, you know? Yeah. But this notion of, like, it's it's very, like, current political climate of just, like, are people literally just trying to, like, convince (laughs) the citizens of their country to not want, to not ask for more, to be comfortable being given a shit hand? Oh, I read it as PC culture. Really? No. Cool. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) <laughs> they're the woke police. Yeah, they're the woke police. <laughs> no one can have fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, can't, can't people just get on stage and tell jokes? Like, why can't comedy be funny anymore? <sighs> I know. It just drives me crazy. Well, and it's not like laughter is sort of an involuntary response where if something is truly funny, you will laugh at it. <laughs> and if you're not laughing, maybe it's a bad joke. 
Maybe it's because it's based in a fucked perspective. But when you see a guy up there and you're like, what is he going to say next? You know? Hickory dickory duck. Oh, oh okay. What? Wait, hey, wait. Jack where's and this Joe going? Went up a hill. 250. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> 250. With a bucket a quarter, right? That's Yeah. <laughs> Look, David, I don't know if you know this, but the job of a comedian is to say the things that the rest of us are truth afraid teller. to say. Truth. Yeah, it's a truth teller. You're right. You have to right, dig into the psyche. You have to be walking that tightrope. And, you know, and there are the three leaf clovers out there who are trying to keep you guys quiet. But, you know, you're there, you're out there telling the truth and I'm, I'm thankful for it. I yeah. really am. Yeah. I go to the comedy cellar for all my truth telling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just do think it's a crazy like folding back in on itself thing to be like this movie is about normal people trying to like like it's it's almost like a white supremacy thing. Where you're just like using culture to constantly be like, and of course we know the white man is inferior, uh, is superior to all others. Mm-hmm. That is the status quo. Everyone else know their place. You know, I sure, yeah. You, you took that in a direction I, I didn't see you taking it. But, uh, I don't know. Um, what was I going to say though? Oh no, you know, it's a little like um, syndrome from The Incredibles to carry on yeah. The Incredibles' perspective. Yes, he's different in that he wants to be super powered and right. he wants everyone to be super powered. Right. Um, so, uh, whereas they want just to no, all normal, only basics. Right. And what I like about this, as opposed to like what Incredibles two is doing, where it's like, okay, like Odenkirk and Keener are like representing different sides of this sort of argument, but the heroes are going on unabetted, you right. know, right. they're sort of just like pawns in this game. Uh, they don't even know they're part of in this this mid chunk of the movie where the thing grinds to a halt, it's all these characters starting to really like question themselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and their reality, uh, and, and the audience like questioning, I mean, it's a weird thing to like make an audience see a movie that you've been building up with 19 years of like expectations and hopes and dreams. And then halfway through be like, why do you fucking idiots want to see this movie? <laughs> it's a weird move. Weird move for the end of your trilogy. Right, it feels like it's shaming the audience then, for paying to buy a here, ticket to the movie they want to see. Here's what I think. Yep. Once Mr. Glass is waking up and starting to be Mr. Glass. You see something's going on. I get real excited. I do too. I'm not bored at all at this point. No, you know? and now it's really like a chess moves movie where he's doing all these cryptic sort of things. You see him logging onto computers. Yeah, he's like suddenly in the middle of a hallway and they're like, how'd you get in here, Mr. Glass? Like, right. You know, yeah. The, the reveal of like the armrest full of pills in his chair. I love that. Like, just this, like, amazing, like, super villain, super genius thing. And I feel like, especially in this day and age where, like, most superhero movies have apocalyptic stakes, you're like, you rarely do see a supervillain who is just the classic, like, chess master type. Sure, sure. The guy who's just always six steps ahead. Which is what he is. That's his power. He's smart. Right, right. The Ozymandias, like, don't you understand? It's already too late. It happened. Exactly. Yeah. I like the thing where he cl- cuts the guy's throat with glass. Do you know how long it took to find the right piece? Uh, That's what he says. Yeah, doesn't he swear? Like, Maybe. I forget. Motherfucker. <laughs> I feel like he dropped a Dropped a dime. Word. Is it Luke Kirby he slashes or is it Adam David Thompson? Uh, well, he kills both of them. I feel I like, no, no. I feel like Luke Kirby gets strangled by the beast. That's right. That's he gets right, crushed, right. crush hugged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, so it's Adam David Thompson, who someone told me was somewhat Hosley esque. The the sort of tall guard with like a beard. Okay. What? Yeah. And he's talking to like the security yeah, guard. Yeah, he's like, you know, you're gonna wanna. I can't remember. He's having like a whole convo. His I've, diet. What, Right. Is it a diet convo? Remember? Yes. Yeah. No. He's like talking about like supplements and stuff. He's oh, Haas yeah, that's adjacent, right. right? Yeah, he's Haas adjacent. It's like if Haas was into supplements. If yeah. I grew up on the West Coast, like right, if I grew up right. in North Cal, I would instead be that. of in ditch. 
in ditch land. Ditch world. Yeah, right. We've already talked about SoCal Benny a couple times uh, using Hacky Sack as a cover for his drug operation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the boardwalk. Right. But if I was uh, if I was more of a Pacific Northwest boy, yeah, right. I would definitely be a hiker, pot smoking, talking about something. Yeah, I mean, chill SoCal dude like... Like you, you're so oh, like Wags, like Mr. Wags. Wags. Um, Griffin's wearing his Nick Wagger hot salad. My hot salad T-shirt. Proudly. Did you just get it or I got it? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. I just got it. I was on vacation. I came back and it arrived in the mail, and I put it on for my first day back in New York City. Just, just to be clear, guys, this episode's being recorded the day it's coming out, two weeks after we saw the movie, right? Because of uh, Griffin's vacation, we like saw it early. I got on a plane. Pretty I landed much. late last night. They originally canceled my flight. Canceled because your flight because of, of the storms, but then like the storm was kind of a big whiff. So I, I guess. What, Although you, I will say, my uh, I, I had it was just, raining. I, I had mean, just been to Disneyland. Sure, my uh, plane flight last night, and this will trigger you. Had drops equivalent to that of like the new Guardians of the Galaxy Are you ride. Serious? It had the full like we're dropping so fast yeah, that my that stomach, stomach is rising up. up. Fuck. They, there were like five different pockets on like a five plus hour. Was flight. it during turbulence or during? Yes. Uh-huh. yes so just when you're up in. Up I'd in say the there air. were four or five pockets of extended ten minute turbulence that were that erratic. Uh, I fucking hate that shit. It really. I had a little bit of. Um, and I just kept uh, reminding myself. I was like, if it was that bad, they wouldn't let the plane take off. No, tur- like anything could happen, but if it was so apocalyptic, they wouldn't let any planes take off. T- turbulence, which I really hate and really makes me upset. It was the like, worst turbulence I'd ever experienced. Is 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 not very particularly dangerous. It's no. really never been any significant no, it's just scary. problem from right. turbulence. It's just scary. It's just scary. But you know, you would have lost your goddamn I just, mind. I on this plane. I kept shriek. thinking I really, about that. Uh, yeah, you know, but like if you think about it, like you know, you're forty thousand feet in the air, mm-hmm. practically. You know, mm-hmm. like a hundred foot drop. You're would good. feel insane. It to feels you. like Tower of Terror. But you know, it's just hundred feet out of exactly. four thousand. You know, right. it's, it's anyway. Yeah. Um, but was landing okay? It was a little bumpy. Sure. It was a little bumpy. We got in. I mean, it was raining pretty hard by the yeah, time. Yeah. Chubby rain. <laughs> got you, suckers. Yeah. Oh uh, fuck. Well, I have to take a plane in a few days. I hope it's better by then. Uh, oh, I can still say it. <clears throat> Humble brag. Oh sure. Right. You're going to Sunday. I'm going to Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I think what you were trying to get to was that then, of course, we came in to record today. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and Griffin like woke up to record today. Right. Yeah. That That's how tenuous it's all been. I, I was right, right. Uh, jet lagged. Yeah. You're jet, you're got jet in boy. late last night. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no, 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 I ran anti-anxiety him. medication in L.A., which is a great place to do that. <laughs> and so I got my refill last night. And when you're off it for a couple days, it hits you like. Five times harder when you're yeah. back on. Right. So I just went to a coma and woke up five minutes after we were supposed to be recording. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. that that I, it's just it was something anyway. It's it, that's this is how how close this episode came to not happening, guys. Really is what I'm saying right. We yeah. almost bumped up Batman. Returns. We almost were going to have to literally just bump the episode. Right. Because right. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get right. back to the East Coast in time to to do this. We're a little loopy, but in a way, maybe this feels like the old days. I mean, maybe no better way to go. To hit two hundred, yeah, than to feel a little bit like like one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I agree. It's just the boys, the boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. So, <laughs> what happens at the end of this movie? What happens at the end of this movie? <laughs> so Elijah really wants to meet the Beast. The Beast is coming out more regularly than before. Yeah. He'll just show up sometimes. Right. Elijah finally reveals himself to the Beast at like an hour thirty. Yeah. After you start to see these suspicious signs, after you start to see their family members sniffing around, 
What Anya Taylor Joy Joseph? What's Anya Taylor Joy's character's name again? Um, Casey. Right, and Mama Glass all go to meet with Sarah Paulson, and you're like, these three are uniting. What's he teeing up here? Why is right. he bringing these three characters together? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like. I will say this: whether or not you like this movie, and I feel like a lot of people are turned off by the fundamental choices he made about what story he wanted to tell. Right. There's a thing that Shyamalan's really, really fucking good at mm-hmm. is giving you an hour plus of movie where you have no idea what the fuck is going on right. and you're still leaning forward to try to That's figure it out. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about the last act of this And movie. I got that kick in my stomach. Like something like The Happening, it's like, I'm tuned out. I don't know if he can save this thing, you know? Right. But something like this, you're like, even if it's crazy, you know he's pulling some bigger thing. And with all these disparate pieces that feel so disconnected in a movie that doesn't have a protagonist. And especially at this point, you're cutting between like seven different characters. Like the three in the hospital, Paulson, and the three on the outside. Yeah. And you're really going back and forth between them equally. Willis, who's the biggest star, is the one who has the least to do. Yeah, because he's kind of just given up. He's the most laid low by the pink room scene. He's the one who's really questioning himself. The beast is Was obviously, I doing this because my son wanted me to? Right. The horde my is, wife died. is many personalities, so some are more interested than others. Right. And then Mr. Glass reveals himself. Yeah. Glass is the guy in the He's neck. been in control the whole time. He's been in control the whole time. He meets the beast. He has the beast take him through the basement. He puts on this incredible suit. He does. He says, first name Mr., last name Glass. God, goosebumps. <laughs> um, and uh, he, uh, there's this red herring in mm-hmm. the movie that we keep being teased of some big new tower that's opening. Which is great. And they kept, it's they called like, putting it called? Like, y- Yamaha Tower. Yeah, Nakatomi it's like a Nakatomi Tower. tower. You know, like, right, so you're like, this is like a nice like Bruce thing. Like it's yeah, like the history of Bruce. But they also, Are you like, going to have him scale a tower But there's again? this cover that's like a new marvel on the Philadelphia right. skyline. This is the greatest building of all time. Another thing it's I want to point out. It's Tower from Gremlins 2. That, that I saw someone the talking about, yes, uh, on Twitter. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. 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 Um, was the uh, what was I going to say? Uh, that like it's it's so great that he shoots in Philadelphia. It's great because like all these movies that shoot on backlots and yeah. shoot in Atlanta or whatever and kind of look like nothing. Yeah. Like you know, it's so fun that he uses like these streets and these locations. Like, and that properly. he's not like shooting yeah. in Vancouver and pretending it's yeah, New totally. York. No, no, that no, he's no. like, I want this to look like Philly. It's yeah. a specific place. Yeah. Like it's such a nice thing when a movie has a real sense of place to it and it so rarely happens now especially in like big budget filmmaking right right. it's really a character in the movie it really is philadelphia is kind of the eighth lead character of this film with no lead character agree agree maybe it's the lead character but anyway you think they're gonna end up there yes but they just have the showdown in a parking lot Right, and part of that is a budget thing. You have to yeah, imagine. Totally, totally. But it's also nice that he gives you the red herring because you're like watching them fighting in the quad, essentially. Yeah, like, when are they going to get to them? I like the practical nature of it almost. I love that it. That it didn't have to be in some grandiose sort of like fight area. That right. it was staged very much just like in front of where they've been housed. I mean, it's a cool location, the house itself and the grounds. Yeah. And it's also, yeah. it's it's an ideological set piece. I mean, it's them fighting for their own existence. It's them fighting to prove that they are what they think they are. Because that's what this is. It's like, you see the horde wailing on uh, Mr. Unbreakable. You know, they have their big fight yeah. and like James McAvoy does his weird sort of like wolf run. <sighs> which is so good. Which I like. And, and, and Bruce bending the steel bars. Right. Like you're getting like these clear daylight you know, they're already cutting to the security cameras a little bit, or at least cutting to security camera-esque angles, God angles, and stuff like that. And 
the uh, yeah, and then you know they like the horde gets shot by a SWAT team. Right. Anya Taylor-Joy, they realize at some earlier point, is able to get him back to Kevin Wendell Crumb. Yeah, if she, like, touches him. Because her power is, like, intense empathy. Yeah, she's an empath. Right. Which, that was one of those things where, like, walking out split, I was like, are they implying that, like, everyone who's been, like, abused then gets superpowers out of it? Which I thought was gross. But this uh-huh. movie is just, like... These- but this is the read I use for your Batman Returns read, which is like these these people are trying to process these unbelievable things. And that's things why that this now retroactively right. works for me. I, right, I'm not right. saying I can watch Split without any speed bumps, but I'm saying I now get the bigger thing he's getting at, which is we want to ascribe meaning to life events that we can't comprehend. Yeah. Whether it's the thing that changes us and makes us good or the thing that breaks us permanently. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that's why we want stories that are so elemental about like. Here is the inciting incident. That's why we always, like, everyone thinks they have to tell us again that Batman's parents got shot in the alley. Right. You know, because it's like everything is supposed to be some response to that. So that's where this becomes crazy. Whereas, like, Lady in the Water is just like, I'm the man who writes the stories that change the world. This is him being (laughs) like, why do we want stories? Like, why do we care about these things? Why do we relate to them? Right. Why do we like things that seemingly are so divorced from our own reality? Right. And a SWAT team comes in and it's like, no, you don't want him. Shoots James McAvoy, dr- drowns Bruce Willis in a, in a puddle. puddle, which they like keep on cutting to the puddle early. Yeah, where and they're you're like, like, they're not gonna do this. It's are they? so small. This <laughs> is such a small puddle. <laughs> it's not even a big puddle. I right. was pissed. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Glass. They they break him like glass. I mean, he's easy to beat. <laughs> they fold him like laundry. <laughs> Shout out Burger Boy, Shout out, uh, Mitchy Spoon Two Spoons. Spoon yeah, um, and uh, and that's that. Right. right. And like, yes, there's this moment where I forget who it is that I think he says it to his mother, right? Where he was like, this wasn't a limited edition. Because the mother started story. preaching his thing. Like, yeah, where she's don't like, you understand this is a limited edition. <laughs> the heroes all have to com- combine and match into each other's aesthetics. Like she sort of even explains like it's a couple different books with different vibes that all need to find a common ground. Sure. Um and the other thing that's happened is, like, Joseph has put together that Kevin Wendell Crumb's dad died on the train. Right. That is revealed. Right. I like that where Mr. Glass is like, well, don't reveal that yet. That's, like, the big twist. Come right, on. That he's trying to control <laughs> yeah, the story. Right, 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 right. But, like, which which Mr. Glass loves that he also created, you know, the horde. Right. Like, there's the earlier moment where Anya Taylor-Joy goes to meet with her principal and they're asking her, like, are you, are you holding up okay? Like, that was a pretty fucked up thing where James McAvoy ate your friend's stomach. He ate her tummy and she's like i'm cool but when she leaves the office the camera pans over to joseph on like the class photo and you're like what what's the point there but it is he's trying to do that like this is my cinematic universe and like people get excited when it turns out that like bucky's uncle was like you know like ant-man's teacher or whatever right it's the same sort of interconnected thing where he's like these people are trying to find meaning in these totally meaningless things right Because that's the way we, like, make it through our lives, you know? You tell yourself that, like, getting left at the altar is the thing that made you change your career. And then you make your million or whatever it is. You know, people, like, create these narratives where it was like, this is the moment that changed my life. This is the thing I never recovered from. This is what made me. This is the complex because my dad never bought me this. And then I became a that maker. You know, whatever it is. I get you. I get you totally. And he's doing that in epic scale. And people go all the time. You read... 50 dumb think pieces a month Mm -hmm. that are like, are we becoming too escapist as a culture that we're not engaging with adult stories and that we're obsessed with these superhero things? There are these insane 
mythologies that what Brad Bird is kind of trying to wrestle with is, are we trying to avoid any responsibility for our own lives by believing in gods who can just come and fix stuff for us? Right. Right. But what he's saying is we project onto them the idea that you can overcome whatever happens to you yeah. and that it becomes an asset. And worst case scenario, you become a villain. But certainly Mr. Split is more empathetic in this than he is in Split because when Anya Taylor-Joy breaks through to him, you're like, this is a broken fucking little child. You know, this is someone who was dealt a bad hand psychologically, a bad hand conditionally, you know, experientially. And is maybe just now like hiding in all these covers, all these characters and all of that. I'm not saying it's an act, but it is – it's the Batman Returns thing. We'll get into it next week in the episode. But it's, it's a great episode. These are people born out of trauma mm-hmm. in one way or another. This is Griffin's big read on the movie. It's what he, we were talking about while critics walked by us being like, wait, you liked that? Yeah. <laughs> Every five minutes. I was giving two thumbs up. <laughs> right. Everyone thought I was doing a bit. <laughs> right. I literally was going down the escalator with two thumbs in the air for everyone true. to see. You said, Shyamalan. He did it. Yeah. Um, I started a chant on the street, Shyamalan. But uh, to, yeah, it's an origin story, not in a limited edition. Right. Because right. They, even though they're all dead. Right. That's right. He died in a puddle. If you, if you didn't know that. I puddle. know. What if in like Avengers Endgame, Captain America dies in a puddle? <sighs> Be the best. Falls into a puddle and he's like, oh no, I can't get up. <laughs> but that's the audacity also of, of, I mean, this thing has always been like one foot in the banal. Like if sure. superheroes yes. were real, these things would be boring in a lot of ways. A lot of the exciting things. Right. I mean, kryptonite is just as dumb as a puddle of water. Well, right. Especially because the gangsters in the old Superman comics would always be like, Hey, Superman, you think you're so super. Hey, give me that box. Yeah, <laughs> and right. be like, hey, take a look at this in the box. It's right. kryptonite. They just you know? hold a rock adjacent <laughs> right. to him. Like it would be on a little pillow. Right. And be like, hey, check out this rock. And he'd be like, oh, shit. Ah! Right. And the water <laughs> thing is silly because it's literally water. It's a real world thing. And a puddle is just kind of a bummer. That's the biggest threat it right. poses to us in our everyday life. But it's like that's the thing he's doing. I mean, it really is this like. You know, why Why do we care about stories? Not just in the media, you know, that we consume God, the content. Heap over here. But also, like, why do we always try to reduce our own life into Cleveland heap over stories? here? Stories. Yep. Say it two more times. Ben just Googled rock pillow. <laughs> I don't ben, know why. Why? <laughs> I just, I was thinking, where do you get rock pillows from? Like a pillow that looks like a rock? Well, yeah. no, for putting your rocks on. Oh, like in a kryptonite case. <laughs> that, you know what, Ben? That is very smart and very clever. Well done. Ten rock points. Yeah. Ten pillow points. Um, so this is just like calamitous, and they keep on cutting the security cameras. You right. can't figure anything out, and it just feels like, well, this is a real bummer way you know, for this I movie. I guess then. this is the end of the movie. All right. But then Sarah Paulson starts monologuing. We've she cut goes a couple to, times to the clover tattoo because he took the shot that killed the beast. Yeah. One of yeah, these the, sniper the, the, the guys. The snipers have the right. clover tattoos. She goes up to... Is it Mr. Glass? Who is it that she gives her final speech to? She says it to Mr. Unbreakable while he's Mr. drowning in the yeah, puddle. Right. She lies down like on the cement right, next right. to him and she's like, tilts her head. I was yeah. trying to do this nonviolently, you know, and like, you know, I just, my, my point is to sort of cut you guys off. We can't live in a world where people are like you exist. Exactly. Um, and this is, and then we see these cuts to like the secret society meeting, which where they the second, the one person leaves the restaurant. <laughs> meet at like a restaurant. Yeah. It's incredible. But it's also such a creepy, like, suddenly everyone goes, like, pain drop like silent. I know I like it. And I the like camera it. does the slow pan around the room until you get to Sarah Paulson. She's like, 
Okay, meetings in order. Yes, right, right. Um, I don't would have like loved as a gag yes. if someone came in to get like uh, takeout mm-hmm. and they all had to like pretend they were eating again. And then as soon as he left, then they started the meeting. It's again. like Toy Story. It's right. like they have to like go limp. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but it's even. I mean, it's it's like it's not just he's against superheroes. It's also like people who are born with defects. You know, right. right. And some of those defects help, and some of those defects hurt. You know, sure. Uh, but but everyone should just be normal. Mm-hmm. And is there really a normal? Well, I don't know, but according to, well, all right. So yeah, the final twist is they failed. Mm-hmm. They because didn't, they didn't suppress these Mr. people. Mr. Glass because been pulling the strings. He Mr. Glass the cameras, filmed everything. Put it on a drive. Well, before we, uh, a question Send I have for you, cloud. Sims, yeah. is, uh, I guess the one thing I, it was fine that they didn't go there, but mm-hmm. with the secret society, I was sort of like, where's the infrastructure? Like. How do they get yes. money? How are they infiltrating the SWAT team? Well, of, I wonder if they're like you know. a, a, a whatchamacallit, what are the, the descendants of like the Mayflower? You know, it's like, it's a passed mm. down sort of thing where it's just like, well, you know the meeting times, you know the places, right. your grandma taught you. Yeah, this is some Illuminati and shit. Right. I'm fine with it being the man or Illuminati, but yeah. I just, I guess for you, I feel like you're someone No, I like where, rules and I like order and yeah. I like I like mythos and... I don't know. Maybe he'll make like fucking glass origins right. or something. He's like, I'm know. dead done. I want to make original thrillers. This is sure. the last thing I want to make. But you do watch this and you're like, I kind of love a secret society movie. Sure. Or even like a fucking TV show. I mean, or whatever it's just, it I mean, I figure he's done because the end of this movie is Spencer Treat Clark, Anya Taylor Joy, and Charlene Woodard yeah. sitting down. They've uploaded at the all the videos to the Philadelphia internet. 30th Street station. They've uploaded the videos. His favorite location. And now people know what's possible. It's and a location she- where Mr. Unbreakable finally come to terms with being a superhero and stands there. Now they've let the world know that things are possible. She says it's the beginning of a universe. And I get goosebumps. I don't know. It's just like part of it is just like. And then like the credits roll and it says like unbreakable and split like as the credits roll. Yeah. yeah in like the shattered glass. Right. James McAvoy is credited for all 36 characters he plays. Which is funny. Right. Patricia, Dennis, Hedwig, the Beast, Barry, Heinrich, Jade, Ian, Mary Reynolds, Norma, Jalen, Cat, BT, Kevin Crumb, Pirate Mr. Joe. Pritchard, Felita, Luke, Goddard, Samuel, and Polly. Yeah. Trolley Tom. Trolley Tom. He would be like an old like hobo type. Sounds like you're just pitching garbage pail kids cards now. <laughs> yeah. I like the movie Booger a lot. Barry. So this is your number one. This is your just like, I love this shit. Yeah, and I'll say like, look, I don't think it's going to stay number one. I think really good chance it's in my top 10 at the end of the year excited to find out this movie is such a, a griff thing you know and for a guy who grew up so much with Shyamalan has been so reinvested in his career because of this I just like there. there's no more sort of like not a tourist but like for for guys like you and I right I mean this is getting into the whole point of this movie about like how we try to describe narratives and whatever we like to look at the narratives of these careers yeah and this is like the movie that's like the payoff of everything good and bad that's happened to him. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Right. And it's interesting that this movie seems to be, we can talk about the box office, following a night trajectory that's familiar where it's like going to make money. Yeah. Definitely got bad reviews. This is closer to the village thing. Like exactly. Split, Might have a bad well. drop. Right. right. Yeah. I, I was meeting with people in Hollyweird while oh. I was out there. And I was talking about how weird Glass was, and they were like, so, like, what do you think? What what are you expecting? Like, box office. And I was like, this is going to be one of those movies where it makes, like, 20 opening day. Right. And then it loses, like, 75% of its audience the next day. You know? Like, it's going to, like, it's, people thought it was going to end up at 75. It did, like, 20. It ends the, like, weekend at 50. 
I think it'll just tap out at 100. Yeah, maybe. It'll multiply like two. And it's still crazy profitable for him. He's got his Blumhouse set up. He's got his branding. And someone was like, so do you think he's like spent all his capital again? Do you think he's bombed it again? I'm like, no, I think he'll make another straightforward thriller. I think he'll make another fun January thriller and people will be back on board. And I think he's going to like, this is him back in his old like M night cups because this is his chance to do it. I but I think he wants to just be like, here's a high premise thrill ride strap in. I'm M night Shyamalan. And he said in this interview, I don't want to make any more sequels because I want my promise to the audience to be, I'm an original thriller guy. I want you to lock in. I want to give you a scary time. Give me a scary time, M. Night. You're good at scaring me. I was scared during this movie. I was tense. I was too. Yep. I scared he was going to fuck it up. <laughs> that too. I also like that shot of um, uh, David breaking down the door. I think that's a great hero I moment. all that stuff. I wish that M. Night would do, um, I mean, but this is also territory that's bad for him. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like I like the idea of him doing something like futuristic or science fiction. Well, after Earth. I know, but that's, and that's the right, big that's budget stuff, picture. right? Yeah, and, yeah. and so, but I don't know. I just, I think he's such a good storyteller. Right. I, I didn't love this movie, but I like the idea of it. And I think he's a great filmmaker. See, I agree with you. I would love to see him do like a $10 million space thriller, like something that was closer to like Moon. I don't you know, know? It'd just be interesting. Do a Moon. Right. It'd like, not so like a big sci fi movie, but I feel like a spaceship is a good setting for an M. Night Shyamalan oh, I mean, I'm always, haunted house because yeah. After Earth barely counts as a fucking spaceship movie and I'm always in favor of the spaceship movie. And, it, and it only half counts as a Shyamalan movie. I mean, sure. it's him trying to serve another master. It's very much his film, but it's not. No, no, no I agree right. with you. I agree. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. It's a terrible yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, you'd like The Kid Who Would Be King. You're going to watch that, right? The Joe Cornish movie? Yes. It's great. Yeah. I'm it's, so excited it's for so that. so good. And the movie's going to lose so much money, right? I, I just feel it like they, or... it feels so out of time. Like, yeah. I remember seeing that. You and I both saw the trailer and we were like, this has to be based on some book or something. And it's, it's not. not. No. So there's no built-in audience for it. I think Britain, it'll probably do pretty well. Oh, they... Right. I guess it probably didn't cost too much, but it's weird to see, like, Fox financing that. Yeah. And Joe Cornish, like, you know, one of the best debut films of, of the last 10 years. Truly. And has turned down a lot of big jobs, was on a lot of short lists, and either didn't make the cut or turned it down, or like was briefly the front runner for Star Trek three before I think Orsi pushed him out, before then Orsi got pushed out, and then it became uh the Justin Lin, uh which Just is also beyond. a good movie. Good movie. Right. Um I, I just of course has it it's an interesting choice for him to be like, I'm gonna double down making like a pure kids movie. Uh, Cornish, no, totally. not not a movie that only kids can enjoy. You'll but love like, this. You're gonna love this movie. I'm gonna love. I it. hope you love it. I, I thought it was really good. It has Stewart in it. Um, Patrick, yeah, small role. I'm gonna good. get really, on. but good. Okay, good. I'm gonna get on this Letterbox. Yeah, yeah, you should be I'm on announcing it. Oh, now. someone asked recently why I was not Letterboxd, and can I give my answer very quickly? Yeah, okay. because people track every single thing David watches, Correct. and then they make a post on Reddit <laughs> saying. Oh, now we know what's coming up next. Sure. And I said to David, can you just hide when it's miniseries that we're banking way in advance? And no. you said, absolutely not. No. I must log everything. Yes, exactly. So I said, cool, then I'm not going to be doing letterbox regularly. I'm only going to do it for the new releases I see yeah. because I don't want to tip people off. I want to keep some surprises in store. So like you were watching all the Grissoms and everyone went like, oh, 100%. Grisham. You were watching all the <clears throat> Grishams. Yeah, that's just something I decided to do. Correct people on Grisham. 
Yeah. No, you just decided to do it, and people were like 100% Schumacher. <laughs> like, they're doing it. But that's what's fun about it. Throw them off the scent. Right, but if I'm posting the same things that you are, then they get confirmation. So I don't want to be the second source. Anyway, I don't want to be the nerds. second source. Well, I just, Letterboxd is for me. And that people want to look at what I'm doing on Letterboxd baffles me. But I'm glad they enjoy it. Right, or but that's why I don't want to be posting because I want to keep an air of mystery. I'm not well, on my Chamelon of the group, and Ben's, Ben's on it too. It. Professor Crispy, not right. Professor. So Crispy. you'll just see no. him logging Assassin's Creed twice a week. <laughs> His favorite movie. Assassin's um, Creed is like gym to him. He's just like going to the gym. <laughs> Throw in a quick Creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, what was the thing I was going to say about Letterbox? Oh, it was crazy. Like we talk- those are some bad seed boys. Who? In Assassin's Creed. Bad oh, yeah, yeah, seed yeah, boys? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I okay, can't wait to watch this. Watch thing. I haven't oh, seen it yet. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk Creed at some point. Winky guys. winky. Just, yeah, winky winky. Winky winky. I'm so excited. Um no, I was just gonna say that uh we we were talking the mailbox, uh, the mailbag app, like very vaguely about our the future directors we were covering, and immediately like everyone was just like, I think I it's figured this, it's that, it's this. Right, right. And it's like crazy that everyone figured out that we're doing Penny and Gary Marshall back to back. Congratulations to them. Of course, those are the two directors we're covering. You figured it out. A pot it One is. for David, one for Griffin. <laughs> Penny and Gary Marshall. Yeah, I'm a Penny guy. You're a Gary guy. Yeah. Exit to podcast. Riding in podcasts with boys. Oh, boy. Pod awakenings. A podcast of their own. Yeah. That, I mean, that is a great movie. Love that movie. Both of them have made good movies. Correct. Yeah, and a lot of marginal stuff. She. All her movies are basically like fine to good. He's made a lot of movies. He's she made only made like movies. seven movies. You're right. Her, yeah. She had a better. Yeah. She was basically usually pretty. Did she solid. do Jumping Jack Flash? She Damn did right. one of the early whoopies. Yeah, Jumping Jack Flash. Right. Then Big Awakenings. League of Their Own. I mean, we should go over this because we're going to cover all of these films very soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, tripling down on this. Awakenings, League of Their Own, Renaissance Man, which I've never seen. Uh, oh, that's, that's, that's Dana Vito. Yeah. yeah. Preacher's Wife riding in cars with boys. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. R. She R. really. Yeah. The Looker. Do you remember when Armisen would do that sketch on SNL that was her, like, TNT detective show? And instead of the closer, it was Penny Marshall the looker, and she would just give people a look with her little sunglasses on the tip of her nose. No, next week is Batman Returns. Yeah. With Emily Ishida. Mother of Blankies came on to talk Batman Returns. Um, It's a great app. Yeah. It's a very silly app. Yeah, uh, Patreon say- subscribers uh-huh. will get Incredible Hulk in two days, though. Oh, yeah. That's a silly app. Yeah, and that's from a what I remember. poopy movie. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, well, fi- it'll actually come out the 21st, so it'll be uh, out at midnight. Oh, you're getting these, like, back-to-back. Yep. Oh, this is the a big, 21st? Oh, yeah, I have it wrong. Yeah, big, of course. Right. Big little chunk for you blankies mm-hmm. uh, who, who are putting down the cash. Um, and, uh, Put down that cash, Patreon. I mean, let's say, what, what are their, like, sort of uh, housekeeping duties? We got, we got two new pieces of merch going up, okay? Okay, yep. Our great friend Joe Bowen has made uh, a new shirt. We love him. Uh, the two friends. Oh, we worked on this design a lot. <laughs> you and him had like a lot. It wasn't contentious, but it was just like one offer something different. We don't want to just like what makes the two friends shirt different than the main logo thing, right? So it's like a Pep Boys style company shirt, right? It'll look like you're an employee of the the two friends podcasting company. With our little tagline, it's a competitive advantage. I think it's like a cool, like retro sort yeah. of caricatured company logo thing. But also forever ago when we were working on the logo and we were giving 
Joe, the list of all the little Easter eggs we want to put on the desk, we couldn't think of a good M. Night Shyamalan thing right. before we finally settled on the comic book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was a point where he like tried to draw Haley Joel in there, and we were like, that feels weird because is he a real person or like a toy? And then I was like, put in a scrunt. And David was like, don't put in a scrunt. And I unCC'd David from the email and was like, please put in a scrunt. He put in the scrunt. You were like, why did this happen? And then cut it. Yeah. And then Joe, a month later, just said, like, look, I just had a lot of fun drawing the scrunch. Yeah, the so sc- we gotta- I just did this for kicks. And he made, like, a radical scrunch shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made a shirt with a scrunt, like, all poochied up with a backwards <laughs> baseball cap and sunglasses and a skateboard. And we've been sitting on it for a while. And it's just a great little tune. We love that guy. And we think episode 200, we're back at Shyamalan. Shyamalan's done it again. He has. We're going we're gonna to sell this radical scrunch shirt. I'm gonna get sued by M. Night Shyamalan. He's gonna set his scrunts on us. Do you think he us. has like a tight copyright on scrunts? I don't know. I don't know. Scrunt. It's a pretty loose thing. So if people ask you, tell them it's not an official Lady in the Water shirt, and you have no idea what it's a drawing of. But it's a fun. It's a fun tune, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're gonna put it up. It's a great way to support support Jesus Christ, uh, our our friend Joe Bowen, um, and and other stuff to talk about. I don't know. We're we're back on the Burton. Uh, sure. I, I I don't know. I mean, do you have any do you have any general things to say at two hundred? It's a very weird thing that we've been doing this show for this long and that people take it seriously now. It makes me very happy. I find yeah. it fulfilling. Yeah. Um, it is crazy that people listen to this. Like I was uh like talking to some friend of mine. And he was like, Yeah, I try listening to your podcast sometimes, but like, it's like you guys are just speaking another language, and I just don't know what it is. And I'm like, Right, yes. Ben's, Ben's answering. Picking up a phone call. Wait a second. What's that clover on the back of his neck? Oh, what? Don't worry. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. I love you guys. I love the love the listeners, and I love my my podcast friends. I do. I'll say I'll say like two things here. Oh boy. I saw someone on Twitter like tweet about the show and refer to me as one of their favorite film critics, and I was like, oh boy. Not my job title, right? <laughs> and it is a weird thing the way this show has evolved because I, I more and more have people come up to me. Being uh, like, I like your takes on movies. No, not even that. Oh, okay, Just go okay. like, that's pretty crazy that you're like working in the film industry and you do a show where you speak so openly about your opinion on things. But you're a fan. I'm a big fan. Even Esther Zuckerman asked me, she was like, you know, I always wanted to be a critic because I never wanted to like make the stuff myself. Sure. And I don't understand what drives you to have the impulse to do both. And the answer is we've talked about this a bunch. We started doing this podcast. I thought my career was dead. Yeah. And I pretty much was in this thing where it's like, I might have to pivot to something else. Here's a podcast that's just about Star Wars. And even when we moved to the blank check thing, we didn't know what this was going to become. We had a very small listenership. People didn't take our opinions very seriously. I understand. Within that. this show. I'm not saying this is a defense. I'm just talking no, no, about no, like no, 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 200 no. episodes in thinking about the whole arc of this mm-hmm. thing, right? And then during the Shyamalan arc, I got cast on The Tick. Yeah, you which did. Is, which is pretty crazy. I mean, the, the time that this has been a blank check proper pretty much coincides with this time where I feel like, oh, now people boy. like take me uh, seriously. Yeah. Like I look like someone who has a career when I just still feel the same as we've seriously. always, I know you don't. That's my point <laughs> is that when we do this show, I think we come to it the same way we've always come to everything, which is like, ideally, we just want to be two friends talking about movies. We're the two friends talking about movies. And the hope is I that have this more- show feels to people like when you get to hang out at it, like a diner at, at well, one o'clock in the morning obvious. after a movie and have, I never talk would about want this friends. to be like a <clears throat> welcome to blank check. And you have your right. platform for your very serious reviews. I'm so serious. 
Yes. And I have a platform for my very serious performances. But also, I mean, we talked about this. Like, there's the push and pull of, like, I'm more of a critic. I'm yeah. give, I'm evaluating work that I have. Yeah. And you're more of a creative person who's, a, like, like how, could I, how could this be fixed? Or, right. you know, you're often saying, like, here's what I wish the movie was doing. Or here's, you know, what frustrates me about, you know. And, like, and for us, it's so much about the context. Yeah. Right. I mean, this show is really just about, like, we're, I don't know, the, the act of talking about movies more than we're anything. Nerds. We're nerds. You know? Are we nerds, Ben? Yeah. And Ben just—it's pretty nuts that Ben's involved too. We've been dragged him into this mess. Well, I would Ben s- also just spit out the biggest vape cloud in the world. You should say, don't let that go unmentioned I on mic. When you tapped him on the shoulder and he said, "Yeah," <laughs> reams of sweat. It was like they announced a new pope out of his mouth. Uh, well, I would like to say uh, I feel very lucky to get to have worked on this show from the beginning. I, I, it's so fun, and uh, we. Had you here, yeah, yeah, and I just I feel like it's it's I've weirdly somehow fit into the show because I don't, you know, we need you I there to sometimes be like, what the fuck, you're the voice of the people, yeah, yeah. Exactly. but I don't, I uh, yeah, I just I don't see myself as necessarily someone who was um as invested in cinema as you guys. Uh-huh. I, I feel like I've gotten more so. Yeah, I mean, even like this year, like in the last month, you've been like, ah, I'm trying to like run through, like catching up on all the movies I need to see before the end of the year. Yeah. And it's like, you're like seeing the things you feel like you need to see before you do a Blankies episode. Totally. So I've really yeah. changed in that way, but yeah. I just think also like, for whatever reason, my silly shit, it just, it's, it's fun that I can do it here. It's really, I, I don't know. It's just like weird what this show's uh, turned into, especially because of the very specific corner we backed ourselves into when we decided to have a podcast in the first place mm-hmm. of the Star Wars thing. And Ben from the beginning was like, you got to think about something that's more ongoing than that. Right, right. But this thing has just kind of like evolved and grown to its own thing. And then it's weird to see like when people who listen to our show who also like write cite our things where they're like, there's a popular theory that the blank check boys espouse, you know, that we're like cited. I think we're great. I think that's great. I mean, I enjoy doing the show and Ben is still vaping. It's it's just a fun, I don't know, I'm just getting like retrospective here. Okay, you know, it's yeah. like yeah, as long as you're getting retrospective, you're going to spook the fans otherwise. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm not teeing up to some big reveal. I'm not trying to like disown anything. Sure. It, it's just an odd thing what, what this has uh, become. And it's, I mean, the the... Merch support and the Patreon support, all these things that we were afraid to do for like three years, Amen. you know, it's nice to see. Love that Patreon. I, I had uh, I had someone ask recently, can you uh, sign something for my friend? But she's specifically a Judging the Judge fan. And I did a show at Sketchfest in San Francisco and someone came oh, up to yeah, me. How went, was the show? It went well, but Great. someone came up to me at the bar and went, oh my God, are you Flat Stanley? intensely popular children's book character Flat Stanley and it is that thing where it's like people come up and they're like I am such a big fan of AT or T you know like they're not like I listen to your show they're like I love this you know it's yeah. it's crazy how deep people go into this thing and I think you and I I mean all three of us were people who always had like big obsessions we're massive fans of things our own things it's very cool and satisfying and surreal to have a thing that people like care about that much. And when you read people like say like this helps me when I'm at work or when Love, I was sick. My favorite or, compliment. Right. That, that kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Yes. 
that like you know listening to us helps you out in a tough time or right. helps you get through the day or whatever. like we're three broken boys who prop ourselves up with like who, albums yes and comic books exactly and TV shows i listen to and, podcasts and tv shows right, and movies. All, right. All these are stuff. my support systems i'm happy to be a support system for people yeah uh i'm glad you enjoy listening to us talking um and we really appreciate it we're gonna just try to keep right. keep doing what we, what we and do. we'll yeah, just fun. ask you know uh it's always helpful to leave uh, a, a review or oh, a rating. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Yeah, let's do one of those call to arms things. We're not going to set a crazy goal. Let's sure. set something reasonable. Let's be the number one podcast on iTunes. Yeah, number one podcast of all time. Right. So, yeah. everyone, please, uh, really. you know, iTunes actually carves the rating rankings into stone. They and do. we'd like to be number one. I want to be on you. a tablet. That's my thing. And not one of these uh, iTablets. Oh, I don't know anymore. Do you remember when that was the rumor that they were going to call the iPad the iTablet? Came so close. How, how lame would that be if you, let me just check it on my iTab here. Be bad. It'd be bad. Um, yeah, but no. Leave us a review. That would be good if you left us a review, a comment. I mean, this is a week where really, if if you like what we do, it'd be nice if you gave us that bump. We got some some really good Burton Fs in the can. Some really big guests coming up. Big yeah. guests. I think we said Yoshida's on Batman Returns, uh, but we got some new first time guests that are true gets. We you you've been getting some folks, and I'm not talking about a John divorce gets. in the eyes of Jewish law. <laughs> yeah, not that. Or blood simple actor John Getz. Uh, what a good guy. That's <laughs> his name, right? Yeah. yeah. There he is. <laughs> Jesus. And David cracks himself up. I do crack myself up. I think that I'm amazing. No, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe anyone ever listens to me talk. Oh my God, David's drinking a, a pint of tiger blood. <laughs> He's got winning tattooed on his chest. Winning. What if this is the year where David just goes full sheen? <laughs> I hope not. Start selling his own pirate Sims merchandise. <laughs> like he wants to monetize only his. You know brand? what I want to do what? that I don't know how to do is like is the, the a let's play like a video game stream. Yeah, because people keep saying like, "Oh, it'd be funny if you did that," and I keep being like, "No, I have artistic thoughts about Super Mario talk World." Talk to Chris. Yeah. There's so many people you should talk to. Like so someone was like, oh, it's easy. You just get a quick you. screen grab. And I was like, this seems too hard. This is <laughs> very gettable. If someone like teaches you the thing, yeah, you'll, yeah, yeah. you'll, and you love money. That. You're a money loving money monster. I and, and weirdly, I keep on offering. Hey, my credit cards. Humble brag. <laughs> what, I keep, what do you keep offering? I keep offering to the public to uh, do uh, streaming Let's Plays as well. And for some reason, people don't want to watch me play through one <laughs> level of Lego Infinity. Batman for the 18th time in order to get 100% on studs. You know, that's my crazy thing is that I've... You're a super completist or whatever? I, I've almost exclusively played Lego video games in the modern video game era, but I have platinum 100% on all of them. They call me games. the platypus for a reason because I go plat, baby. They call me Oliver because if I start a game, I'm going plat. All right. I'm getting a message here. Uh, the building is being destroyed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, with us in it. We can't yeah, leave. It's been no, a good yes. ride. <laughs> this is Thanks it. This is deliberate. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, no. Uh, let's be done with this. Uh, thanks for talking glass with me and being my friend, Griffin Newman. Well, thank you for being my friend, uh, David Sims. Ben, thank you for being my friend. Thanks, it's, I, mean, I met both of you at like weird uh, points. We, we're all at weird points in our life, and yes. we all met mm. individually. Yes. And uh, I, feel, I feel lucky that uh, I mean, truly, if I could get sappy, I feel deeply, truly lucky. You guys are two of my best friends. Yeah, yeah. I, you're two of the people I spend the most time with. Not just the crazy workload we built for ourselves making this show, but we do genuinely like doing stuff together. Yes. Like 100%. we get excited when we get to go like, oh, we're recording and then we're all going to see a movie together. 
<laughs> or like getting drinks or bagels or whatever. Yeah. I just, you know, when we saw the NGs the other day, like, I just like seeing a movie with you. It was such a great time. We went to our secret pizza bar, which no one will ever locate. Never, People are ever. already trying to get People it. People are tr- walking up and down the streets like Bruce Willis in glass, bumping into pizza bars, trying right. to find our us. And here's the fun thing. Some people have had guesses. I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong yet. I will never confirm or deny. Yeah. We got a secret pizza bar. Secret. Top secret. Yes. And it's right. called DiGiorno's. Yeah. <laughs> it's at our home. It's a home bar. <laughs> so what's the DiGiorno slogan? It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno's. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Please remember to rate for review and subscribe. Yeah. Truly do this week. Um, I guess, uh, uh, I don't know. Is there a bit, like what's a bit that's fun to ask people to do in their reviews, you know, so uh, that it becomes a little creative. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm tired. Is there like one like like review we should ask like one like like here here we go I got one okay everyone please please copy paste the entire architect speech from the Matrix Reloaded and leave it as a review on iTunes that would be pretty funny right that's good if suddenly we have a hundred of those we're just verbatim <laughs> and I know that quote existed because yeah, I read the no, whole goddamn no, thing that's good that's good that's right? a good idea that's good. So please copy paste the architect's speech and give us a gentleman's five stars. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Yes. A- and a theme song that I threw it to him like two days before we started the show. I was yes. like, we should have something. Right. And he said, what should the theme song be? And I said, I don't know. We're rebranding the show. I don't really know what it's going to be, but the show's called Blank Check. Don't know what to expect. That's, I mean, he ran with it. Yeah. He made a song based off of me telling him, I don't know what to tell you. Right, right, right. <laughs> And it's a banger. It's a good song. People send us videos of babies dancing to it. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, Thank Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Both people who just did artwork we loved on the internet and said, hey, hey, you want to come on porn? We love them. Uh, Ange, who was an intern back in the UCB days, and we did the same thing where both Dave and I said to you, Ben, who's the one making the space scams photoshops? Someone clearly in this office listens to the show. Yeah. And Angie's uh, Angie's the best. We're going to get her on an episode soon. She was going to do Aquaman with us. She couldn't. Unfortunately she'll, can't, she'll but I think episode. I think we're going to try to make a girls night happen for uh, uh what men want. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do a boozy uh, Angie episode post what men want on the Patreon feed. Right. Right. Uh, so those are my extra little bonus shout outs to to our Blink Check family. Mm-hmm. Um go to blankies.rad.com for some uh real nerdy shit. And one of the things that makes me most proud about this show is when I, like, read our threads and people are talking about, like, I can't believe they didn't get into this in the Edward Scissorhands episodes, and they're amazing critical takes of things that I would never thought of. Makes me so happy. It's exciting to see I like the, yeah, a community yes. where people are coming in with really, really Talking smart movies shit. to each other. They yes. don't even need us weighing in. Right. I'm sorry that they didn't talk about this thing. And it's like, you said it better than we ever could. Go to tpublic.com for some real nerdy shirts, including the two that we just talked about. Um, uh, I, I, I tune in next week for Batman Returns. And as always, to commemorate 200th episode, we yes. want to get all of you in on this. Yes. So, you know, the nicknames, which are semi-retired, back Speaking in the game, community. conditionally, yes. we decided to do a supercut of people sending in clips of themselves saying the nicknames. And we're going to play that now. Thank you so much, Blanky family. Uh, you might know him as producer Ben. Producer Ben. The Ben Deucer. The poet laureate. The meat lover. The tiebreaker. The fart detective. 
our finest film critic, ladies and gentlemen. No one is better at telling you whether a movie is big and wet than than the peeper. Birthday Benny. Be sure to wish him a hearty hello, Fennel. Not Professor Crispin, goddammit. The fuck master. Dirtbag Benny. White hot Benny. Choking wake Benny. The hosh. Mr. Positive. Mr. Positive. Who happens to be a close personal friend of Dan Lewis. The voice of reason. He's apparently Santa Claus. Some people call him the commish, you know, he has a real firm grasp on things. And they call you some other names for some other reasons. Uh, because you graduated to certain very prestigious titles. Over the course of different miniseries, these include Producer Ben Kenobi. Kylo Ben. Ben Night Shyamalan. Pence 8 Say Benny Thing. Dot, dot, dot. Ailey Ben with a dollar sign. War Haas. Producer Ben. My personal favorite, Haas Al Ben 19. The Fennel Maker. Robo Haas. Benglish. Mr. Ben Credible. Bomb Boy Haas. Eat, drink. Ben Hosley. The Hosliday. Sexual wellness. Oh, hey. Amen. I still fuck. Cut that out. <laughs> Keep it in and double it. I say, I say, I say. Sexual wellness. Oh, hey. Amen. I still fuck. Cut that out. <laughs> Keep it in and double it. I say, I say, I say.